0: Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday. It's March 31st. We are here live. Joel's in the house. I'm not sure who else may be joining us today. We'll see. You can join us. We're going to open the phone lines right now. If you want to jump in, anything goes. really is a free-for-all Friday today. 855 nine five zero three eight three five we can certainly talk about efficiency and technology anything else goes pick up the phone and join us i'm just going to bring joel right in so we can get started here joel good, morning. joel
1: good morning hey good morning kevin how are you
0: good i saw something in the uh news this morning though that really has me a little concerned for your welfare uh-oh What's going on you're in louisville right <laughs> Yes, I am. Are you going to be able to get a pork chop sandwich this year? Absolutely did. Oh, okay. I was worried because I saw the Cisco drivers are on strike in Louisville. (laughs) No, there's plenty of pork here. Okay, all right. I just wanted to make sure. It would be a bad year if you had to go Uh all the way to Louisville and you weren't able to get a pork chop sandwich. Absolutely. All right. So we'll talk about the show here in a little bit, obviously, because you're there hanging out. But something else I need to mm-hmm. uh, I need to take you to task. OK, you're still part of technically right. You're part of Ploger, right? Just you're in a sense that it's my fam. <laughs> it's my family's company. OK, yeah. All right. <laughs> what, what the hell are you guys thinking over there? Oil is cheap and engines are expensive. Don't you know that? I'm reading this oh, that! Is- <laughs> what the hell are you guys thinking? Just change your damn oil. That's right. That's right.
1: We- <laughs> we've, we've only been doing that for, I don't know, a decade now and haven't had any problems. But okay.
0: Uh, Shoot. Here's that. And, and listen. I- I you know this freaks people mm-hmm. out. The headline is "Ploger Transportation Nears the 100,000 Mile Drain Interval Mark. And like you said, you've been doing mm-hmm. this kind of stuff a long, long time. But you still get that response uh, and, from
1: people. You know, right. And, you know, the thing of it is everybody says oil's cheap. And a lot of people think you have to use the high-dollar synthetic oils to get out to those drain intervals. And we're running a semi-synthetic 10W-30 Of course, my brother buys in bulk, so it's under. Well, it was the last time I checked. I'm sure it's went up since then, but it was under ten bucks a gallon, and we're able to get bump that hundred thousand mile mark on a pretty regular (laughs) basis without much problem at all. And then when you use the extended extended drain filters from Volvo, you don't even have to change the filters. You just let it run 100,000 miles. I know. Pull your samples and you're done. Yep,
0: yep. Yep. (laughs) And (laughs) and the crazy thing people don't realize, this technology has been around as long as you and I have been in the industry. Anybody could have done this for the last 40 plus years.
1: That's very true. And the other thing that I will tell you, and I am being completely honest and upfront about this, we have never had a... uh, catastrophic oil-related failure. We've never had overhaul of volvo powered right. engine since 2006, <laughs> I never never done rods and mains on one. We, we've just never had a problem, and the ones that we sold locally, um, a lot of times my brother will cut them a deal, you know, okay, bring it back to us and we'll take care of your service. Well over a million and a half, they're still running with no blow-by, and that's with 100,000 mile oil changes, so there you right. go.
0: That's the reality of today. And to try to get people to change their mind on this is just insane. It, it really is. Um,
1: you know, you see the arguments all the time on social media, especially where it's really coming to light is the new engines that require a 530 right. full synthetic because the tolerances are so tight. And these guys insist that you put a 1540 in because it's better protection. No, it's worse. and we it's all know the worse. Yeah, exactly. It's the majority, worse. the majority of wares happens at startup. And when you have those tight tolerances, that 15, the first numbers, what's important. It doesn't get to the bearings and you're starving the bearings and, They just, they call you, oh my gosh, the name calling just gets crazy on that. Some of the stuff you just can't repeat, but yeah, it's nuts. It is
0: absolutely nuts. Here's something I never understood. I've talked to oil engineers about this. Nobody has a really clear explanation. From what I can gather from everybody that knows and from all of our experience, you said this, you do not have to run expensive oils to extend drains. I've always said Mm -hmm. there should be zero difference between how long an oil will last in the engine and whether it's a synthetic, a semi-synthetic, or conventional oil. Because the, the explanation that's always been given to me, oil never wears out. Whether it's conventional oil or synthetic oil, what happens is it gets dirty and contaminated. Well... No matter what Correct. type of oil you have, it gets contaminated and dirty at the same rate. That has nothing to do with the wear capabilities of the oil. But yet even in the automotive world, it, it, we always said, oh, you have to change oil every 3,000 miles, which was a joke, especially in today's engines. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to be close to that. Sure. But then we said, but if you right. use synthetic, you could go to 6,000 miles or whatever number. That never made sense mm-hmm. to me.
1: My understanding of this, and and I am not a tribologist, so I hope I don't butcher this, but when we had conversations with Castrol early on, they had a thing that they called the star molecule. and What they were concerned about was how shear stable that oil was, so essentially how many times the molecules get cut in half. And what Castrol and BP had at the time, and they still have, it's a, it's a part of all of their formulations that the molecule kind of rebuilds itself. So it's, it's more shear stable. And my understanding is that's what helps make the oil so, last longer because we do notice so, less oxidation with the Castrol versus the other brands that we've tested in the past. That, and I, I think it has something to do with yeah. that sheer
0: stable may that kind of stuff oxidation and all that has to a lot more to do with the additive packages than the base oil almost all the stuff we deal with is is uh, additive issues not the base oil. yes yes and
1: and i'm assuming my assumption would be that this molecule that they're talking about is part of an additive package that would be
0: my best guess yep that would make sense yep so i just think that, you know, the oil industry may have done some of this to itself, because I don't think that that difference between synthetic well, and I understand that we've talked about it. That's the difference between synthetic and conventional are the molecules, the way they lay out and that what makes it. You yes. Know, right. So I kind of get that. But I, I think they kind of shot themselves in the foot when they claimed that it was you could go this much further with synthetic. I, we could have also said you can go that much further with conventional if we just watch. Here's the other thing I would love to ask them. This, this shearing of these mm-hmm. molecules, how do I identify that mm-hmm. in an oil sample? Yeah, that I, I have no clue how that so, happens. I don't know if, if that's somehow related to
1: oxidation rates. That I couldn't tell you.
0: And here's something I've never seen. If you can't tell me how I identify that these molecules are being sheared and now it's created some sort of a problem, well, what problem? We we don't identify it in an oil sample. I've never been able to look at an oil sample and say that oil's too old. Right, right. No, that that's
1: exactly right. You, you never look at it and say, oh, look, it's got molecules shear. You know, right.
0: it just in that way. Yes. So, uh, see, uh, odd that yeah, that's I, their concern. I, I,
1: Yeah, I think probably my my thought would be is that, you know, it would start to show up as that oil shears or breaks down. We say it never wears out, but if it shears, it breaks down, and then we probably start to see increased metal
2: wear and whatnot.
0: Here's a question. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't we lose viscosity? I would tend to think so. That seems like that I would, would tend be to the think physical so. property that would change. So when we talk about synthetic, it, it seems to have, you know, different viscosity, even though we we show them the same. We know it's different at cold temperatures. Yes. So, yes, that seems to be what we're talking about here. I don't know. Seems like they're yeah. they're still hedging their bets. Like you know, you, you can only extend if you do all this special stuff. I just don't think that's necessarily true. All that special yeah. stuff may help you extend further, but to think that our oils today are only going fifteen or thirty thousand miles is ridiculous. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, that's just
1: absolutely crazy. It's just it's just getting uh, it's just getting broken, so to speak, at fifteen or thirty thousand miles. Yeah. yeah, you can easily easily get out to at least 50 on i would say the majority of engines today and and you know we on our stuff that there's like they said in the article still under warranty because he buys the oil right he'll drop it at 60 just to keep everybody happy on on the volvo side and then once it's on a warranty they go to 96 and um, they've got a few that they go out over 100 with and all the samples look virtually the same anyway. I know, right.
0: So it just, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, I I, I still think we're...
1: We're not really... The 15,000 mile club there... (laughs) No, I don't think so either. The 15,000 mile club, the guys that advocate for that are just costing you a ton of money. Is all they're doing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not saving a damn dime and the theory that oil's cheap and engines are expensive. It's just if you've done any oil sampling at all and been around trucks at all that have done any type of extended drain intervals, that's not the most ridiculous statement there is in trucking. Yeah.
0: Hey, let's, uh, let's pick on our favorite company to pick on because there's some picking to be done. Oh, my okay. God. Nicola, can we okay. ever stop with this uh-huh. company? My God. So, I'm, I'm about I to hear lose you. my mind over what is going on with Nikola right now. The company is a dumpster fire. Their stock price is plummeting mm-hmm. to next to nothing. They're adding all kinds of mm-hmm. shares, so they're, they're screwing their shareholders royally. So yep. it's a horribly run company. Let's just start there. I don't even want to go through these numbers. They're so bad. The stock price is almost gone. I mean, this company is in danger mm-hmm. of just collapsing. They're running out of cash, so let mm-hmm. them die just just let it die move on there will be another company that will step in when when any of this stuff makes financial sense these these alternative fuel trucks when they make financial sense, somebody will be there with the truck that's not a concern absolutely but we keep propping these companies up and these crazy tax incentives are so, first off, I read in one of these articles that, do you know how much a Nikola truck costs right now? A Nikola hydrogen truck? If there were no tax incentives? I, my
1: understanding is they're north of 375000 That's what I thought.
0: That was the number I remembered from way back when. It was 375000 do you know what it is today? Mm-hmm. I gotta go try to fact check this. Although it came from, <laughs> it came from a very reputable trucking source. Seven hundred and fifty thousand uh, yeah. dollars. Are you no, kidding me? No, I'm not. That's what's being reported right now. What the hell's the point of that? It's insanity. Why would you even look at one? Right. It's insanity. Now, if you think that's bad, so that means. Some Nicola when they sell a truck, is going to get paid $750,000. The problem is the bulk of that money is going to be yours and mine, and we're not getting the truck. Yeah, coming from the government. That's that's tax oh, our money. They're going to be using our money yep, to buy Fleets Nicola trucks. That's not the worst of it. Do you want to hear what the worst of it is? Under the current guidelines, this is not proposed. This is the way the system is set up right now. If Nikola reaches its goals on on hydrogen stations, I kept wondering, how the hell can Nikola afford to go out and build this hydrogen network like they're claiming? They're broke. This is Uh not a little thing. If they were able to reach their goals on how many stations they want to build right now or plan to, once they started pumping, Uh they would be receiving a million dollars a day in incentives.
3: Jesus.
0: They would be getting a million dollars a day in government money to pump hydrogen. Right. So the whole
1: business is basically built on the ability to get government money. That's nothing to do with what the marketplace wants. It's all about how do we get government money? All this it's really, it really is. All this
0: is, it's worse than I ever thought. I've been talking about this from day one, and this is way worse than I ever thought. Let's throw something else in. Uh, what's the biggest concern in the economy right now? What's the the I word we've been hearing for three years? Everybody's so afraid of inflation. Sure, inflation. So the government's going to just start cranking out all kinds of incentives for these programs and that money floods the market and in- inflation will sure. go through the roof. So they're taking our money from Absolutely. us to prop up these technologies. We're going broke. And to we make us poor. And we can't afford <laughs> eggs. Yeah.
1: yeah, you just got to love it.
0: <laughs> I wanted Friday to be fun. I can't believe I had to talk about these two articles together. It makes me
1: insane. Yeah, see? Kevin Debbie Downer Day. Come on, I
2: know. <laughs> to think something else to
1: talk about. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, Economy and inflation, and you know, I try to ignore it as much as I can because I would just, I pull all the hair out that I have left, I'm, I'm, you know, and and so I'm losing my mind. I, I try to I stay. I swear, I'm losing yeah, my mind. I try to so- try to stay focused. I try to stay focused on things I enjoy.
2: And not worry about the rest of the world not, anymore. I guess you uh, think it, you live longer.
0: You know, I you know when we when we drove truck, we knew health was an issue. You got to deal with it. It's you know a danger, a mm-hmm. hazard of the job. I kind of consider this news, the stress from news, a hazard of my job. Like, how do I avoid it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, there's I, no, I can't come out yeah. and act like I don't know about this stuff every day, right? No, I agree. Let's add one more thing to this whole incentive around this clean energy bullshit. With all this going on with Nikola, all the money the federal government's going to give away, California just announced they're going to accelerate the regulations on zero emission vehicles. They're going to move them up. Yeah, and there's
1: like 12 states that are going to join in with that and it gets really nuts and as the EPA regs go out further in time and and i i sat through a couple seminars that talked about this so right now all the EPA regulations are focused towards the manufacturer and because we have this some states follow CARB rules some don't now the manufacturers are going to have to have two different engine platforms to comply in the future because oh, we have these, these separate oh, regulations. No so way. they're, they're making it, it And what, what gets really funky with this is the government apparently has given EPA the power to enforce. If you are in a carb state and you claim your domicile somewhere else, or if you move a domicile truck to a domiciled carb state, the EPA is going to be able to come after you individually or the business, not the manufacturer, for that. Oh, so now they're they're bringing in the, the actual trucking oh, companies
4: oh, oh, and
1: into this, and it's it is just getting crazy. It's nuts. It is absolutely nuts. And of course, they're doing it. They're making it so convoluted and crazy. So you just say, oh, I I can't run a diesel because this is just too much liability they they may throw my ass in jail you know if i cross into the wrong state because i have the wrong emission package on it and and to me that's what it kind of looks like they're just they're going to regulate you and force you and try to force you into electric through regulation because <sighs> you certainly can't afford to run
5: it
0: it doesn't make any financial sense. none zero come on let's go yep. back just a couple years i was a pretty big advocate for a lot of this stuff there are advantages mm-hmm. here. There's no doubt about it. I still believe there are advantages. I do believe that at some point, electricity will replace internal combustion engines in a lot of areas. I believe it. But we're not ready. And we'll never be ready with the bullshit way we're doing it. That's the that's the, no, I think that's you're the, exactly right. The st- the biggest thing that bothers me is they're using our money to do this. This it just makes me insane. The second biggest thing is we're going yeah. to screw up a good technology. Yeah, no, that that's exactly right. You know,
1: I, you know, I, at one point I thought, okay, look, we need a little seed money to get this stuff off the ground, and I thought, okay, that's okay. But when it's going to the level that it's at now, where you've got businesses that are just solely there to to feed off the government and they don't That's even really it. care about customers to, you know, they're just there to feed off the government. Now you got a problem and you're never going to get the best, most efficient products when you're just worried about feeding off the government. You're just going to make products that meet minimum standards or government standards, not necessarily the best standards. And you no longer have your, your open markets and, and your free markets with competition to, to make things better. So it's uh it's very concerning. No doubt about it. Yeah.
0: All right. So we're going to move on. We're going to stick with some trucking topics. They all kind of involve politics, unfortunately. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm going to finish today with with a couple of very stupid statements made by one person who is a politician, a very well-known politician. Another person who is a Ph.D. college professor, the, the kind of I don't even know what to call it. It's not ignorance. It's not stupidity. These people are clearly intelligent mm-hmm. people. But when we get to that Mm -hmm. point, somebody's going to have to explain to me how they can make statements like this. But before we get there, let's talk about other stupid stuff that's going on with politics and trucking. Have you seen this headline? With only one spot for every 11 trucks, lawmakers reintroduce bill to create new truck parking. (laughs) I have not seen that. Come on. One
1: one for 11, huh? (laughs)
0: First off, I know exactly what they did to come up with this number. They went and checked the easy statistics. We can go look at how many trucks Uh, are registered. We can go look at how many truck stops uh, say we have this many parking spots. Those are easy statistics to go find. And then you go, oh, look, the truck stops only have this many parking spots and there's this many trucks. It's 11 to one. That's exactly what they did. Right. And they're going to use that to try to write a bill to spend our money again. This makes me (laughs) crazy. Build parking lots. (laughs) If you Uh. want parking, start paying for it. That will solve the parking problem. Be willing to pay a little bit to park somewhere and watch how fast people start building parking lots. So in a free market, that's the
1: cost of doing business. It's not like that's it's right. going to come out of the pocket of the driver personally. And if it's a business expense, you pass it along. And that's that's the way this should happen. It shouldn't happen from the government handing out money willy-nilly and saying, okay, go build a parking lot here. Because the first thing they're going to do is they're going to build a parking lot out in the middle of nowhere. That doesn't make any sense. They're never going to be in the right places where we need them. They're not going to be – they won't won't have have the facilities that we need. Exactly. Right. They're going to be a government-defined parking (laughs) lot, and like everything else the government does, they're going to screw up a parking lot. I'll guarantee you. Totally. They will totally screw up. I will guarantee you. Now,
0: I'm going to show my – you know, total transparency here. This bill is being pushed by two Republicans and two Democrats. This is a bipartisan bill. It's still <laughs> bullshit. But here's the funny thing. One of the uh, one of the Republican senators, I didn't even know she was a senator. Cynthia Loomis, who the hell is she? Thought I knew most of the senators. They're fairly easy to keep up with. I don't know, she's a senator in Wyoming. They actually used, in this article, they use Wyoming as an example of a place where it's hard to find parking. If you can't find a place oh my to gosh. park a truck in Wyoming, you need to go find another job.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. It's relatively easy to park in Wyoming. I, I mean, I could see it if they were talking New Jersey. Exactly. Okay, I, I get
0: right. that. But... There are states where it <laughs> yeah. is a problem, a real problem, but not Wyoming. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's like parking in Kansas <laughs> or Nebraska. It's just not a big deal. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, wow. just, just, it's, uh. so now let's get on to stupid statements by people who should know better. <sighs> okay. You're pretty familiar with how our justice system works, right? I think most Americans are supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Right? So, Listen to this statement. Let me find, let me find this statement. This is from Nancy Pelosi. I want people to listen closely and see if you identify what's wrong with this statement from somebody, by the way, who was third in line to run our country. She's retiring now, finally. It's a good thing, but she's been there a long, long time. If anybody should understand, we call Congress lawmakers, right? We call Congress lawmakers that's their job. They should understand the justice system. Here's the statement. Well, well,
1: I, well hold, hold, hold on before you make the statement here because the congressmen, they're not the law, the
0: above the lawmaker. How's that? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, <laughs> so, oh, well, so, that, 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 there you go. It's this, funny this, you <laughs> mentioned that because they actually use that line in this quote, the opposite of it, I guess. But here's here's, here's Nancy Pelosi <laughs> okay. quote, no one is above the law. And everyone has the right to a trial to prove innocence. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) right to a trial to prove innocence.
1: Are you
3: kidding me?
1: Are they going to send the Gestapo uh, after
2: us, or what? Jesus, Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Gee, thanks, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> I got the right to a
1: trial you, to prove innocent.
0: Let me send you some more <laughs> of my money to spend. Oh Please, gosh. help me spend my money. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's wow. what she said. No, yeah, no, she didn't just say it. She tweeted it.
1: <laughs> my goodness. So we have proof. Wow! Yeah, that that just shows the mindset of the royalty in in DC, right?
0: In yeah. the, <laughs> we're, the, we're the peasants. That's The, the royalty, the, and that's that's how they see they, us. They yes. they know better, but they they I believe she now thinks that way. Even though in her that's brain kind of, she knows that that is totally bass backwards, and yet she, I think she now yep. believes that way. Yeah, I I believe that the majority
1: of them, if you could open up and pry open their mind, that would come out, I I think, of the majority of politicians. That's how they see the average person, you know, prove that you're innocent instead of the other way around, which should be. But, uh, yeah, that's
0: just crazy. Here's another issue with a really stupid statement, and this issue has just exploded everywhere all of a sudden, and I don't understand it. And it bothers me to even talk about this. Because for the most part, with consenting adults, I don't care what anybody does. I don't care who sleeps with who. I don't care who identifies as what. I don't care if you want to dress up as a bunny rabbit and have somebody have sex with somebody who dresses up as a raccoon. I don't care. That's your business. And I mean that. There should be no laws against this kind of stuff. We shouldn't care. Don't involve the children. That, that's my only concern with any of this stuff. And for some reason, sure. this whole trans issue. I don't care about the adults who do this. Hey, I, Go do whatever I, you want. I, I, I agree
1: with you, but maybe this whole self-identification thing, maybe they're thinking that, you know, five and six year olds are identifying as 20 year olds or something. I see this stuff too, where they're really, really pushing this into the kids to normalize. And that's how they normalize this stuff. You know, if this stuff's pounded into your head since you're, Five, six, seven years old, then it's just normal to you. And that, that's what they're doing. They're just trying to normalize the stuff
0: and, you know, forget about the age. Let's just throw it in front of them. And it's as wrong as wrong can be. I agree with you. And there's one more issue around this that I think is really wrong, even though it does involve all adults. That is the ability for males to compete against females. This makes me insane. I love sports. I love competition. So did, it's good for did all of us. you see what that power lifter done? Yeah.
2: yeah. The
1: the guy up yeah. in Canada? I thought yeah. that was so freaking awesome. He yeah. went up there and just self-identified for the day. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and he did. Yeah, he we, destroyed the guy. So uh, that that was just awesome. I was exactly. Just like, cool. Right.
0: We have st- I have stories of you know high school volleyball players ending up hospitalized because they got you know spiked by a male dressed up as a female. I mean, right. injuries are happening. Female. This one makes me a little insane. Right. Now, listen to this. Listen to this. This is a. It's a video. There was a leadership thing going on. Riley Gaines, she's a female swimmer that's been really outspoken against this. Yes. Kudos, kudos to her. She's brave enough to stand mm-hmm. up. Here, there, there is a college mm-hmm. professor. Listen to what he said. If you were to dig up two mm-hmm. humans 100 years from now, both man and woman... Could you tell the difference strictly off the bones? No, the professor replied as the room erupted. And after the students, the students were confident enough that they laughed at him. They had no doubt that that was true. You could absolutely tell the difference. Here was his response. So, you know, we could say Nancy Pelosi, maybe she misspoke. Even though it was a tweet, she had time Mm -hmm. to look at it, but we'll give her a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. But this guy gets laughed Mm -hmm. at. Maybe he misspoke the first time. He gets laughed at, but then he doubles down and defends it. Listen to this. Have any of you been to an anthropological Mm -hmm. site? Have any of you studied biological anthropology? I'm just saying, I've got over 150 years of data. I'm just curious as to why I'm being Mm -hmm. laughed at. I have a PhD. Mm-hmm. That's how he defended ignorant statement <laughs> I'm Look, I'm smarter than you are, and <laughs> I, I promise you could give me ten skeletons, and I'll pick out the male and female hundred percent right every time. It's not difficult. Yeah, no, you're right. It is not. These people start looking at the pelvic area. And it, boom, right. you know. <laughs> there, there signs on the skull. Wait a minute, don't we have an extra rib? I think so, I think that's right too.
1: (laughs) Can't tell, nope, can't tell. They're the same. (sighs) It's like the Supreme Court Justice they asked about something similar to that, (laughs) and
0: she wouldn't answer it either, it's like, Uh, oh come on. Yeah. That's just nuts. It is, it is. All right, so, I've dominated the whole morning, what's on your mind today?
2: Oh, we just, uh, you
1: know, been doing a lot of the the show stuff. I was at EMC. Of course, I'm up here at Matt's. I'd done an internal show for Volvo where I actually had the attention of um, a lot of the engineers and the the people higher up the, the pecking order at Volvo. In fact, the president of the company sat through a couple of the sessions that I gave, and I was able to have some really nice interaction with him Excellent. in regards to all the down, the downsped stuff that we're doing. And, you know, he, he sat through the presentation that I give and he, he got up just as it ended. And he said, I don't think that people quite understand what's going on. Here. <laughs> I said, no, I, I think you're right. He goes, we've got a lot of work to do with our salespeople. I said, yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. So he was, he was really, really pleased with the, the way that I was able to break it down and, you know, connecting the, the whole piston speed thing to road speed to the emission system durability. I got to talk at length about that to salespeople and engineers. And even in the engineering side of it, I think a whole lot of light bulbs started going off in people's, people's, you know, heads, they, they just never really put it together. I think a lot of the engineers all kind of knew it, but they never, really put it all together, and now I think they're really starting to focus on optimizing. You know, we've kind of started here with the whole idea of uh, multiple gears at highway speed. So a lot of benefits to it, you know, in terms of fuel efficiency, and and I think this is really going to – it's actually going to keep the whole diesel engine thing alive for quite a while, I think, in terms of – over the road applications versus even hydrogen and battery electric because I think we're going to see Some really really nice efficiency gains. I just um The new cummins 10 liter, you know, we talked about the the architecture of the engine and you know They've done something that They've needed done for a long time. I guess so when you look at how the block and the crank are kind of aligned they offset the the cylinder bores to the crank and it achieves a very similar effect to the long connecting rod that volvo's using so we're not thrust loading the pistons you know all the problems that you know cummins has kind of had over the years when you start to slow them down with thrust load and vibration and and whatnot i think they've probably or they did actually start to address this finally in the new 10 liter that's coming out good so we'll see if that that applies to you know, their newer offerings, which I'm assuming they will as they start to introduce them. But I, I think, think the 15 yeah. liter, I think the 15 liter is still the old design. I don't know if they'd offset the bores versus the crank to to help that situation. Hopefully they did. Um, time will tell, I guess. A lot of information coming out of Navistar, you know, as international as they start to to get more details on the S13,
0: I uh, I love that the, engine. Is the package, our, yeah, I hope that engine is everything we yeah. think it is. I really do.
1: I, I think it's going to do well. The one thing, and I, I had a extended discussion with my brother because they're they're actually taking him down to the factory and they're going to run him to the factory. Good. And he yeah. asked them if I could go, and said yes. But they didn't care. Bring him on down. Yeah, and said, you know, he's got a, a thing going on with Volvo here, and they said, no, that's fine, bring him down, so well, that's, I, I'm going to go down and, yeah, and, that's smart. Yeah, and I'm, so they have some confidence in what they're doing, there's no doubt so it's going to be interesting to see how the internals look on this thing, I've, I've seen, you know, the outside, looked at some things there's some things that I'm not super thrilled about, but they're definitely not deal breakers, I mean, when you look at the the back of the the, the flywheel where the bolts onto the the crankshaft it's it's in line with everybody else but it's not any heavier duty it's, it's a robust. 12 bolt yeah. flywheel attachment you know I think the Volvo is the only one in the industry with 14 bolts and especially for a 13 liter where you know the 15 and 16 liter engines they they still have 12 and then like the cat speed 12 and C 13 it only has eight Wow back there yeah so, you know, when you have your gear train and stuff in the back of the engine, you want to make sure you got plenty of clamping force back there on the flywheel because that starts to loosen up, you're going to be putting, yeah. you know, bull gears in and all kinds of bullshit in the back. So it's, it's standard fare on the back. I was hoping to see something, you know, 14 or 16 back there and bigger bolts, but that, that didn't happen. The rest of the engine, from what I understand internally, is, is, is is pretty decent, so I think the base architecture on that one's going to be pretty damn good, as far as uh, piston thrust and and piston speed through the stroke and whatnot. Got so it. I think it's I think it's going to be a good one.
0: Good, good. You know, you were talking about giving the presentation and the the president, of Volvo mm-hmm. being in the back of the room, mm-hmm. which is pretty incredible. He learned something, which is why he's there. That's a that tells you something about mm-hmm. his ability to run the company. I had a similar situation. Mm-hmm. I was doing a uh, presentation mm-hmm. for a fleet in Kansas. And, you know, mm-hmm. when we set it up, I, I was working with the owner, fairly good sized company. Everybody would recognize him. Well, I'll tell you, it was Trans Am. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So I, I'm working with the owner of the company to set this up. And he said, I'm curious, what kind of things are you going to talk about? And I'm coming in to talk to their owner operators about business. And I said, you know, I'm really going to spend a lot mm-hmm. of time on how to spec a truck properly. I said, it's one of the biggest problems with fuel economy right now. All these trucks are running around with horrible specs and nobody understands it. And he said, oh, OK, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'll cover business and money and a bunch of other stuff, but there's going to be a lot on specking." So he didn't tell me, but mm-hmm. he showed up, you know, in the room with another guy. And mm-hmm. I later found out mm-hmm. the other guy was in charge of specking their trucks. The... Other guy almost lost mm. his job by the end of the seminar. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I went through the same kind of stuff you do. If you, get, if you get the gears right, if you get this right, these are the gains you could be making sure. in fuel economy. Here's how it translates to dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, and we do those numbers one truck mm-hmm. at a time. Now, here's this owner sitting there sure. thinking, wait a minute, I have 400 trucks. Why aren't we specking our trucks this way? And and he was right. asking the guy right. who is in charge of all their trucks, why aren't we? And the guy really kind of tried to say, this is all bullshit. This, this you know, this stuff doesn't work. That's not how this all works. I've been doing this forever. And the owner was smart enough right. to know, right. wait a minute, there's something here. This actually makes sense. You know, when you explain it with physics, right. it starts to make sense. So, but then, then something else happens. So here's this owner on a Saturday morning, mm-hmm. sitting through this presentation mm-hmm. for owner operators. And then he at the end, he's like, Well, you know, you got you got to tell me more. So we're just walking around and he's showing me everything. We walk past this big, mm-hmm. beautiful office, big windows, big corner office, mm-hmm. big and big enough to probably play soccer in there. And here's this guy sitting behind the desk, young guy, staring at a computer screen and we walk in and the owner introduces him to me. It's his son. He's too busy playing mm. video games to barely yeah. recognize <laughs> Oh, you gotta that love I that. Right. Right. Here's his dad probably made him come in on the Saturday morning, but instead of right. sitting <laughs> Most through, likely. he's in his office by himself playing video games. And I thought this is going to be one of those companies we're going to watch go out of business. And it's going to be right. because of because the, the conversation,
1: Right. Right. And you know that conversation where the dad said, you need to come in on Saturday morning, and you know <laughs> right. damn well the first thing out of his mouth was, but cartoons are on Saturday morning, you know? <laughs> 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 yeah. Come on, Dad. Exactly. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yep. you got to yep. love it. But yep. along the lines that you're talking... I'd given a presentation with Maxi down here about fuel efficiency and we were talking about six by twos and, um, we had, um, a gentleman in the audience, very well dressed. I looked a little out of place. He had a suit and a tie on, you know, and and we're down here at Matt's and, and he was, he was taking notes and paying attention. I got off. And this, this gentleman runs a Mexican trucking company and he wants to hire me to come down to, he said he wants to be the most efficient fleet in North America. Good for him. And um he's yeah, he said, I've listened to a whole lot of people. And he said, you make more sense than anybody else him. I've talked to. Yeah. So Yeah, so he wants to bring me down to El Paso and we're going to. Take a look at his fleet, what he's running, and see what he's just, doing, and then we're going to put some things together and get some test trucks out in his fleet. Like, he's already pulled the trigger on it. He said, "I'm absolutely doing this." He said, "Let's let's make this happen." Excellent.
0: So let's do it. Like, j- just make so, sure, just pretty make damn sure cool. You negotiate yeah. in some bodyguards as part of the deal, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I said. I said, "Am I am I going to have to go over to Juarez? Are oh, we doing man. this in El Paso?" He started laughing. He said, <laughs> he, "He said
0: we'll stay on the American side." <laughs> Not sure that that Yeah, helps. no kidding. Isn't El Paso becoming Little Juarez? Uh, well,
1: nowhere near as bad as Juarez. I can True. tell you that. Yeah. It's there's it's, some there's some nice nice sections of El Paso, spill, So, and they do have an office in Indianapolis, well, but he wants me to come down to there where they're doing they're doing a lot of cross <laughs> border stuff and see their operations. So I, I told him I'd come down and, and, yeah, and check
0: things and out. And honestly, but, I don't. Uh, I don't I don't yep. know what I'm thinking. You know, our big cities here are just as dangerous as anywhere in Mexico anymore.
1: Well, Chicago, yeah. Right. I mean, Chicago's probably worse exactly. than Juarez. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I'm thinking. Most likely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that's a sad statement to is. have to make, but it's true. It is. And, you know, it's kind, kind of surprising. You've got a Mexican trucking company, which... You ask ninety percent of the people, they'd say, Oh, they run nothing but junk and they're these old scrubby trucks and they're coming across and they're dangerous and that. This guy's got his his poop together. I mean, he just does. He yeah, yeah. really, really understands efficiency and he is a business person and it was just like talking to my brother, you know, when we yes. got talking about right. his operation and, you know, the things that he doesn't like and that he's noticed, you know, it's he knows what he's talking about. So uh-huh. It'll be a fun one to work with. There's there's no doubt about Absolutely. it. Absolutely.
0: You know, this comes back to the whole thing about, I don't care how much melanin your skin has. We're all human beings. Why wouldn't we come up with the same yeah. idea? You know, yeah. we're just yeah. all human beings. It doesn't yep. matter what part of the planet we yeah. were born yeah. on.
1: Yeah, trucking is trucking. Whether it's in Mexico, the United States, or Canada, there are there's more similarities than there are differences. There's no doubt. And you know, I think sometimes we we paint the the Mexican trucking industry as a broken down joke of an industry. And I can tell you right now, that is not accurate. It's, this it's is the third not. Mexican company that I've dealt with, and these guys uh, they're going to surprise some people. You underestimate them, and they're going to eat your lunch. That's for the, sure.
0: Well, you know thing we have to be careful of or should just be aware of you just meant they're hungry they live in a country that has nowhere oh, near the standard of living we have and and but they they figured out there's yep. there's a way to get there and they're going to do it and on the other hand we fortunately have become lazy and there are way too many stories yep. what i just talked about of second and third generations destroying companies
1: yep Yep, absolutely. And and just, just what you said, this guy is hungry and you can you can tell he is a driven, motivated yes. individual. He is not the kind of guy that you know, so many people they will come up with fifty reasons why you can't do something. He wants to hear the one reason why you can. Absolutely. And just uh you can you can just tell this this guy, he's gonna be a really fun guy to work with, I am sure. So I'm I'm really looking forward to you know, getting down there, checking things out, seeing what we can do.
0: You know, and what you described this, you know, we, we look at it as they run a bunch of broken down junk. That's true. I mean, there is that part of the industry in Mexico. They do run a lot of they run a lot of our old trucks that were so bad, we won't even keep them in this country anymore. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mm-hmm. mean there aren't companies out there like this one way more than what people think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There, there's, there's no doubt. And, you know, we run our share of junk up Absolutely. here in certain segments yeah. of the industry too. Containers. You know, we we sometimes don't yeah sometimes <laughs> don't want to admit it, but it's yep. up here. So it was it was just interesting to run into this guy in Louisville of all places, and you know, I could almost see it at a TMC or something. Yeah. But he says he does all these shows. He's learning. He's he's just he is. Uh, just a very motivated driven individual. And And I I think he's gonna be a a fun guy to work with.
0: You know, there's always this talk about what makes somebody successful. I mean, that's kind of what I've spent my whole life studying and watching and paying attention to. And I'll tell you this, forget almost all the measures Mm -hmm. people talk about, IQ, where you went to school, all that stuff. I will tell you what the number one factor is. Motivation.
2: If you're willing to work. That's it, Yeah, that's it. (laughs) You're motivated. You Positive attitude
0: a and motivated, you will yep. find a way. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So these are yep. the people you can look at and go, "That guy's going to succeed." It sounds like he's already very successful, you know, for the mm-hmm. industry and the country he's in, and he's not slowing down or stopping.
1: No, nope, looking to expand. He wants a presence here in North America, and and uh, he he's going to have that presence. I guarantee you, he is going to. He is going to take market share from some of these sized carriers and, and he's going to, he's going to have a presence here. So it'll, it'll be fun to see how this develops. And I just love working with people that are positive like this. You know, you always face setbacks in the industry and when you have your first setback, a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, I, I ain't never trying that again. He had run some six by two trucks in the past and he, and he had some issues with them and he had specifically asked a, a question And in regard to the six by two and, and, uh, of course that's my subject, you know what I mean? So I I was able to give him an answer that made a whole lot of sense to him. So right after I got off stage, he tracked me down, you know, and he's like, oh my gosh, nobody's been able to explain this stuff (laughs) to me before. And and he wants to run six by twos, but he wants to do it right. And, you know, he's concerned with tire wear and traction and whatnot. So yeah, just a great guy. So pretty awesome. Pretty awesome contact I've made down here. Excellent.
0: All right. What do you say we take some phone calls? Let's do it. All right. Let's go to Iowa. Thomas, welcome to the program. Hey, I got some questions for Joel. Joel, I ordered a
2: new Volvo. It'll be in this third quarter. And I was talking to the mechanic, telling him how it's so much better than everybody else's, the motor and everything. And and they don't use one box. He said, no. Volvo went to one box. Is that true?
1: It is, but it's not the same as the Freightliner one box. You won't have any problems with it. Traditionally, their solution has been better than the rest of the industry, and <laughs> you can actually take that one box apart, so you can you can service it. You'll be just fine with it. They've been tested. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they, they've run so, them for quite a while. I mean, not like this is brand new.
0: The, right. the level one box has been around for a long time. See, here's the, here's the difference. Okay. We, Allow- we're allowing this name to confuse us. Freightliner started calling there's a one box by putting everything together in the same space. The problem was they built it in a way that you can't service each individual part of it. And that's why we talk about this mm-hmm. stupid one box all the time, because it's a poor design. Now Volvo can claim we have a one box too. Everything's in one place, but they engineered it so that you can service each thing separately. So the name is the same. Sure. We put all the things in one box, but one designed it so you can't take it apart and do anything with it. And Volvo designed it so you can, but it's still a one box.
1: I think Freightliner was the only one that has that design that they can't service the damn thing I think I don't think anybody else has a design like that now you know I think Cummins has stuff in two different locations and I think Packard might as well and then Volvo and I'm not sure what the new Navistar is going to look like if it's a no it is it is a one box on the new Navistar but it's all serviceable so I think Freightliner's the only one that struggles with that.
0: Right, so when you see this- Perfect this, answer, this that's term, what I wanted to hear. Yeah, when you see this term yep. one box, don't don't automatically assume it's one box that we can't service, because it, it's very possible to have something called a one box, all the components in one place, totally serviceable.
2: Mm-hmm. Super, super, that's the answer I wanted to hear. And then, uh, there is there any way, Joel, you can get them to put OPS on at
1: the factory. (laughs) Probably not. That will all happen. Now, there's the Mod Center, the Fontaine Mod Center, and they will do whatever the hell you want to do before you take delivery of the truck. Here's what I'll tell you. They are great people to work with. They've got a great staff, but when they are busy, busy, prices are crazy at Fontaine at times. Other times... You can get stuff done. So, no, it'll it will it'll never go on at the factory, but we'll go across the parking lot over to the mod center, and they most likely can install it at the mod center. Um, if it's the first time that one's been done at the mod center, it'll most likely be a little bit more expensive. My brother's had things done at the mod center before, and like I said, depending on how busy they are, sometimes the prices are reasonable and then other times when they're busy they don't want to tell you no they just raise the price
0: yeah i had one installed on on a freightliner at a mod center way back in that would have been my oh one truck that i built beautiful absolutely beautiful factory install seriously it looked like it belonged on the truck but unfortunately it's one of my horror stories they mounted it so low that it kept blowing oil out the overflow and they had wrapped the overflow tube with the engine blow by tube they were wrapped in a nice ah. truck so we thought the oil was coming out the blow by tubes brand new truck obviously we had never <laughs> driven it very so i gotcha i've told the story a million times i was on a month-long vacation in alaska with very very little cell phone coverage when the truck was put in service and I did it only because I had been waiting over a year for the truck to come. So I thought, we just got to get mm-hmm. that thing on the road. And I get back, and mm-hmm. the first thing I hear is, this truck's burning a gallon of oil every 250 miles.
3: 250! <laughs> <250.
0: laughs> oh, wow. The, our, wow. We were right next door to a Detroit. This had a Mercedes in it, but Detroit serviced the Mercedes. And... They had already ordered the rebuild kit. They weren't going to rebuild it. They just were waiting for me to get back and authorize it. They had already ordered the kit. Gotcha. And I, I came back, and I'm looking all around, and as soon as I looked at it, I thought, that thing's sitting really low. And then I looked, and the oil return had to go uphill, and it needs a 9-inch drop to work right Gotcha. Yeah. They almost did an in-frame yeah. over this. <laughs> that wouldn't have fixed that. They would have been scratching their head <around> on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So right. just, just be careful. If it's something new, they may miss something like that. Like I said, it was a beautiful-looking install. Who would have swore it was part of the truck?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we used to have, uh, back in the day when we used to run the spinners, we'd had the mod center put spinners on the on yeah. the trucks and never had any issues with them. And it was reasonably priced, but they'd done a boatload of them. And so they knew exactly how to do it. And generally, if it's the first time on anything, just expect that you're most likely going to have issue here or there. A couple things. Yeah. You know, just pay attention. most likely what's going to happen. Yeah. All
2: right. Thomas. If, anything absolutely. Okay. I didn't. Yeah. I just didn't know if you already had somebody that done it. Knew somebody Um, had had them do it.
1: The the only facility that I'm aware of that does it, Michigan MD alignment, they put my Harvard on and he also does OPS. So he he does both.
2: And he does a good job. Yeah, he does. Okay. Now I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. We're hearing all these other drivers' good reports on how much money they're making and I hear your fuel mileage you're getting and the loads you've been picking up. Can we hear your numbers?
1: I generally don't talk about freight rates. Here's what I will tell you though. And I'm not going to give you anything specific, but my outbound blanket wrap specialty stuff, it's well North of $4 a mile. Um, And the stuff that we run off the load board, My target for load board stuff is two hundred and sixty a mile.
0: Okay. Well, that's all I have for you. Thank you very much for the information. All right, thanks for the call. Let's go to Georgia Richard. Welcome to the program. Hey,
6: Kevin, first time caller, a long time listener.
0: Well, great to have you here.
6: I'm at yeah, and I met Joe down in uh, Florida at a rest area when he was down there for the TFC. I don't I know if you remember me. Had a remembers Absolutely,
4: ret- yep, yep.
6: Yeah. Well, what I was talking about was, you know, I, uh, hydrogen-powered trucks, you know, there's going to be a problem with, you know, building all the hydrogen uh, stations around. And then the problem with the electric trucks is those power grids can't handle the, you know, the power output. There like know, a, here, uh, here,
0: like a- here's an interesting thought on that topic, though. So if we're talking about which one's more feasible, an electric truck or a hydrogen electric, and not just feasible, but economical, I thought the same thing. How are they going to build all these DM hydrogen stations? It's a complicated system. Well, now I know they're going to use all of our money to do it which is the real problem here. But it's funny to me that we say, Oh my God, you can't build electric trucks because the grid won't handle it, but there's already a grid. there a really, really big grid. And we can just add to it, but they'll, then when they go to hydrogen, there's zero grid and they act like it's no big deal to build one from nothing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So one of the interesting speakers they had down here, um, at Matt's, they had a gentleman talking about the electric and the grid and Kevin, what we had talked about, you know, we got a lot of storage with all the battery capacity in the trucks and they are Actively pursuing, trying to figure out, okay, if if we put batteries on trailers and they're setting, how do we use them as temporary storage where we charge the battery up and then pull it out of the battery when we need it? So they want to, they want a two-way exchange with all these mobile batteries, and that really starts to make a whole lot of sense if they can figure out how to do it. Of course, the trick is, you know, that's my energy I paid for, and how does this work? You know, they're going to have to figure out all the details. Right, but. Yeah, I mean, that really, really starts to make a lot of sense, and it makes the grid more reliable at that point instead of being detractor from the
0: grid, I think. Correct. Every time we build a new trailer with solar and batteries, we're multiplying our grid. uh Uh-oh. Yeah, you're making the grid more
1: reliable. So that argument potentially goes away, possibly, and that will shock a lot of people because that's always been the big kickback is, oh, you can't do it because
0: of the grid. Well, now if it becomes a plus, um, maybe you can't do it fast enough. I don't know. (laughs) So and here here, this comes down to the whole core issue that makes me crazy, all the government money. Nobody will work hard enough Mm -hmm. to find those kinds of solutions because they don't have to. Right. There's so much government money. Right. You're exactly money, right. They take the easy way out and nobody digs to really get down to the, the hard technologies we need to develop to make this work.
1: Now, you're you're exactly right. And, uh, you know, if if it's the free market work and, and somebody realizes, man, we can make the grid, you know, yes. safer, cleaner, more efficient by having this. You can bet your butt somebody's going to get on this and figure it out, but you're exactly right. When it's easy money, you know, why would you come up with a solution? Because the right. government's going to keep funding you to, right. to, to work on right. the problem, and right. that's what these guys want. They just want to work on the problem, never solving it, so they can collect the government money to – to continue to work on the
0: problem, I guess. So, absolutely. So let's take your example of the problem. If we're gonna do this, there is a problem, there's going to be, there's things that we have to work out. One of them is, how do you figure out all this energy that somebody paid for and then left sitting at a dock somewhere? Well, guess what? We would create a whole new industry to solve that issue. The te- we already have mm-hmm. all the technology. Oh, I- all that it would take is a company to put it together and say, "Here, we offer this service for four ninety nine a month. You sign up, and we manage everybody's electricity."
6: hmm.
3: Absolutely. Uh, my
6: question was was you know like say that Snyder terminal over in Jersey, you know, where the town said you know they couldn't do it because it would draw more than more power than the town. Oh, is there like a hydrogen generator? that like Snyder could sit there and put in their, at their terminal, well, they could sit there and power. Richard, you Richard,
0: Richard, hold on a second. That's kind of my point. We're saying there's an electric grid, just not enough of it. There's no hydrogen grid. Let's uh, go build one. No, why don't we just expand the electric grid and skip the whole damn hydrogen thing? <laughs> yeah. Nobody. I, just,
3: you know, for, I, I agree.
0: I was the, I think I may have been one of the first people to tell the story about that, that, Project in New Jersey that they said we don't have enough power, but there's nothing to stop us from expanding the electric grid. Why does everybody act like we can't mm-hmm. expand it? Just expand it. Just build yeah, more we'll, we'll capacity. All, take take the money that you would spend on the hydrogen and right. build the electric Just grid. Just <laughs> expand the electric grid. Everybody benefits if think, we if look. We know our electric grid is in trouble. It's vulnerable. It's not enough power for what we're doing currently. If we expand the electric grid, every human being benefits from it. If we build a hydrogen grid, how many people actually benefit from that? Not many.
1: Yeah. No, I, I agree. Uh, yeah. Who, who's using hydrogen it's on a regular right. race besides a <laughs> hydrogen powered truck? You know what I mean? Besides so, Nicola. yeah, the electric it's grid is multi- <laughs> yeah, it was multi-function,
0: a car, yeah. you know. I think Toyota is releasing a hydrogen car somebody was telling me about the other day. And that would make sense. Toyota I- and Honda have been working on hydrogen for a couple decades.
6: Well, Which I have read something here, about Toyota. Here's
0: something that also worries me a little bit. If you go back and look at the history of Toyota and Honda, they've been working on a hydrogen-powered car for a long, long time. They're just now releasing one, mm-hmm. and we're going to mm-hmm. put a Class A truck on the market that just came into existence a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, I read something
0: about yeah, Toyota. Yeah, to tell you
6: something. Yeah, they're. Uh... Developing, I guess, like a hydrogen cell that all you gotta do is just remove it, a new one in, and then you'd be on your way. So it take like a couple minutes. But they're researching over in Japan, supposedly.
0: You could do that with a battery.
6: battery. Oh, I get that.
0: We have there, there, there was a truck out there. I haven't seen what happened to it in a while. Thor, their model was not charging. Their model was hot swappable batteries. <laughs> You just pull into a station like you would to get fuel, and they slide out a tray of batteries and slide a new tray in, and off you go. Yeah. We have technology that's going to deliver electricity through the road, through parking lots. Try doing that with hydrogen. Right. That'd be a little difficult, right? it? <laughs> Yeah
1: electricity we have to keep
0: going back electricity has a lot of advantages our one big disadvantage is just storage when we solve that game over i don't think any of these technologies if we had a good solid state battery none of these technologies would be being talked about
1: no i agree i agree um now the <laughs> seminar that i sat through here Somebody specifically asked that question of energy density and weight, you know, batteries, and their take was that there was not a reasonably lightweight solution coming in the near future. And, of course, the first question was, well, define near future, and he he declined to uh, define that. But, yeah, he said that as of right now, his thought was, and I 100% agree with them. We're gonna have diesel power trucks for quite yes. a while for the long haul stuff. For all the inner city, the pickup and delivery stuff, the electric makes a lot of sense right now and that's where it should be and that's where we're gonna to continue to see the expansion until they can come up with a lighter weight battery. It, you know, Hydrogen electric makes some sense, I suppose it's just very very expensive at this point if they can bring the price down you know volvo's really big into it over in europe with the hydrogen electric trucks but you know the price is, is it's crazy i mean it is super expensive it, although it does it does it does solve the energy density issue because you're storing hydrogen instead of right. electric and then you're just converting that hydrogen into electric so it does. Oh, by the way, the, the Cummins, the fuel agnostic deal where they've got the, the internal combustion engine that runs on hydrogen. I was told that the operating cost, the and, and I don't know if this is accurate, so I'll throw this out there, but from a source that I trust, He was told that it is seven times more expensive to run the hydrogen powered truck than the diesel fuel truck.
0: (laughs) Well, hey, didn't we just just figure out if 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 that article about Uh, the cost of a Nikola is actually correct? The truck's about seven times more than what you should be seven
1: times. Yep, yep, yep. That's exactly right. So, and. This is internal combustion just feeding it with hydrogen. And you would think as clean as hydrogen burns, that there would be a savings to it. But I guess you've got to run so much hydrogen through it to get any type of range. They got a range issue with it is my understanding. And if somebody knows anything different or or knows the actual range on it, I would love to know. But my understanding is this thing, Takes so much hydrogen to go just a couple of miles that, you know, it's just crazy. So the, the cost to operate, it's just out of this world.
0: So here's what I might do. Because I'm thinking through, I have a couple spreadsheets. I could write a couple more formulas. This probably wouldn't be that difficult. I may take some time and run the math on if I have to pay $750,000 for a truck, which is how it should go, this should not be a tax incentive. And then I have to spend seven times more in operating cost. I want to run the math and find out what the <laughs> freight rate would have to be just to break even.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping everybody buys those trucks. I'll right. hold on to my <laughs>
0: You're right. You know what, I mean? what would, what, now, yeah. You, you just multiply the freight rate by seven times. That doesn't work. There's, there's other factors in here, but I'm going to guess off the top of my head that it's going to be three to four times more on the freight rate. You would have to, you would almost have to quad. The freight rate to even come yeah. close to breaking even. And the other,
1: the other part of that is too. So is think about this, when you start you're, to look you're, at supply chain.
0: Your what did you say? Five or six dollar mm-hmm. your blanket wrap stuff. That yep. have to pay yep. like We're in, that, in that neighborhood. That have to pay twenty four to thirty dollars a mile.
1: And you know, it's like everybody expects things to get to them overnight. So when you have to stop and refuel your hydrogen truck or recharge your electric truck, it's not going to have the range. You're going to have to refuel more often. It's going to take longer. It's going to be more expensive and the service is not going to be as good. So your, your customers aren't going to be real happy about that aspect either.
0: Here's something else I was wondering about. Didn't we talk, didn't somebody bring up the fact that maybe I did, I can't remember. Nicola, if I remember right, is going to build a fleet of hydrogen delivery trucks. Did we talk about Mm -hmm. that?
1: I don't don't think so. so.
0: I read it somewhere. Somebody told me about it. And my first thought was, holy shit, that's a big undertaking. That's expensive. And what's going to be the cost of that hydrogen by the time you drive it out and deliver it to me? And I got thinking, how can they afford to do all of this? Well, now I know we're paying for it all sure sure
1: there's there's some government money but i think the one thing that we got to be careful about when we talk about a hydrogen truck are we talking about hydrogen internal combustion or hydrogen, uh, hydrogen electric? electric
0: right yeah i electric, yeah right yep. that's, i think the when i talk about the toyota car i think it's a hydrogen hydrogen i think that's what they've been working on actually running the vehicle on hydrogen uh not hydrogen. right they Right they have a race car that's like a i don't remember if it's a 12
1: cylinder or an eight cylinder it's internal combustion, but it runs on hydrogen and they have some cars that also are internal combustion that are running on hydrogen and that's what Cummins is doing with their fuel agnostic program It'll either run on diesel fuel, gasoline, or hydrogen hey, depending on where you're at and what your needs are
0: I, I never asked you about this about. <laughs> There was a time you'll remember it when hydrogen injection into a current diesel oh, yeah. engine was a big big deal. Did <laughs> yeah. you ever test? Oh uh, yeah,
1: I've looked at it several times, but I always came to the conclusion that it 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 takes more energy to create the hydrogen than you're going to get back on the backside. Bingo! Because I never bought into the yeah. bullshit that you're only burning sixty percent of your fuel and now you're burning right. ninety. I always thought that was nonsense. So.
0: I did an extensive test on two different systems, one really expensive, and this goes way back to the mid-90s when this was first being talked about. There was a Canadian company. They got a ton of startup money, lots and lots of research, and the system was almost $12,000. So that was the first one I tested. Mm-hmm. Then I also tested one that somebody mm-hmm. built in their garage and it was about thirty five hundred dollars. So I mm-hmm. went to both extremes. Because you mm-hmm. know there's there's plans all over the internet. You can build your own hydrogen generators, they're not even that complicated. Um so I tried mm-hmm. both extremes. Both were miserable failures. Gotcha. The the company yeah, you know, sent people down from Canada. They did the install in Florida. They stayed there for a month while we did the testing, and we tested every day. We allowed them to tweak, you know, because it was always, well, it's not going to be perfect at first. You're going to have to tweak it. Fine, I get it. It's new technology. Tweak all you want. We will check our fuel mileage after every run every day. It's consistent, same run, virtually the same freight, same driver, and every day if you want to tweak, tweak all you want, and they did for a month. And right. At the end of the month, I had lost money and I had had to jump start my truck three times. <laughs> and towards the yeah, end, now, there are... they, they were claiming, <laughs> well, if you put on a bigger alternator, we can make this work. Yeah, no, I, I've had enough. <laughs> well, yeah, no. And and. Here's the
1: part. They're, they're right that they needed more power, and there are some things out in the marketplace that could potentially enable this now as far as heat recovery devices, and Siemens has this really, really cool – it's essentially a turbo compound system that you know fits on the back of the exhaust after all the emission stuff, and it extracts that heat, turns it into mechanical energy. That system all by itself is relatively pricey, so then you tack it on to the hydrogen generator. Then things really get expensive, and then I, I don't know that you get an ROI on it. But you, you, you wouldn't have the conversion problems because you're recovering waste heat that was going to waste anyway, and it's, it. it's not negatively impacting your, your fuel efficiency. So Got it. there's so, some technologies yeah. out there, but probably too expensive.
0: You hit on the core issue. It's not that hydrogen doesn't work. This is why so many people get excited about it. On paper, it does work. We can't produce enough hydrogen efficiently requires a lot of electricity right now and electricity is not free. Yep. And it's so hard to calculate these things. But so we know we need if we're going to make this work, we need to be able to produce more hydrogen. Okay, I get that. So you're going to need more power. You're going to need something Mm -hmm. else, too. And this is something nobody ever talked about. You need distilled water and a lot of water. And it is a pain in the ass to constantly be buying (laughs) distilled water to put in your damn truck. And you know what happens if
1: somebody does commercialize this? You'll be buying it at the diesel pump right next to death for seven bucks a gallon for distilled
0: water. That's exactly exactly what would (laughs) happen. Nobody ever talks about that part of it. I didn't realize it until we had to (sighs) do it constantly. And my driver's calling me, hey, I need more distilled water. And I'm like, all right, I'll go grab another (laughs) case. What a pain.
1: I hear you. So I played with, Propane injection for a little while, and done everything that we could think of to try to make that work. And does it give you a little more power? Absolutely. But is it burning all the fuel that wasn't burnt? You get the sufficiency increase? Not a not a hope in hell. It doesn't. It doesn't happen. It, it's fun to play with, and you get some power out of it. But it there are no efficiency gains to be had. Running propane injection, Here's what
0: confuses people. I did a month-long test on a propane system. Same thing. The guy came all the way down from Michigan and spent time down in Florida so he could tweak the system. We went through the same thing, filled up Mm -hmm. the propane every night, filled up the fuel every night. I posted Mm -hmm. the numbers. What you saw was if I posted my fuel mileage, it went up because you're only calculating (laughs) by the diesel, We weren't adding the propane and the diesel together, so I I put in a new field. I added the propane and diesel together and said, now look at it. My fuel economy went down, not up. (laughs) Well, propane
1: doesn't have the energy density that diesel fuel does, and if you start to displace the diesel fuel, you are going to use more propane. There's no doubt about it. Essentially, the only way that we could figure out any way to potentially make it work is if you didn't have to pay fuel tax on the propane, and um, Ohio wasn't having none of it at the time. They're like, no, 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 You're, I said, but the engine won't run on just propane by itself, and they said, nope, nope, you're paying matter. tax on it. So at that point, I worked on it for two years, could not get an efficiency gain. We could get a nice power gain. The engine run nice, and it was really clean. We've done some cool things with it. But if we couldn't get them to drop the idea of paying fuel tax on it, yeah, it didn't work. So (laughs) the two year exercise in futility.
0: Here's the other factor that everybody ignores with every alternative fuel. I don't care what it is. Hydrogen, propane, electricity, whatever. Pricing. Mm -hmm. We are trying to compare the current price of those fuels. But if all of a sudden lots Mm -hmm. and lots of vehicles need that fuel, what's going to happen to the price? Absolutely. Yep. Are we we just going to ignore supply and demand? Yeah, I
1: think before F was required in trucks, you could have bought that for like 35 cents a game. I mean, it was ridiculously cheap. Right. And, you know, what we're paying at the pump is, I, I don't want to say Supply it's criminal, demand. but, you know, my it's, brother right. my, my brother buys it in bulk and he puts it in his tank for like $1.19 a gallon and right. you're paying four or five <laughs> bucks a gallon at the pump. And I get it, it's a convenience and they've got costs associated with it. So I understand it, but you have to think about that. You're exactly right. If you find one of these and people start to use it as demand goes up, the cost, for that fuel is going to go up. There's just no way around
0: it. If it's not currently a taxed fuel for road tax, it will be short.
1: Will be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why they just, they're like, nope, we don't care. You're paying tax on it. You were not getting around the tax man on that. So we were just like at that point, okay, well, we'll just drop the whole idea then. But yeah. uh, it was a fun project while it lasted.
0: All right, Richard, anything else? That was it. All right. Thanks for the call. Oh, I will add one more thing to that whole propane discussion. I've said that the worst part of my job Mm -hmm. when I drove, still the worst part of traveling, when I hate the process of getting fuel at a truck stop, I just hate the whole thing. It's just so damn aggravating. (laughs) There's only one thing I can think Mm -hmm. of that's even more aggravating than that try to get propane on the road. Yeah. No,
1: you're right. You're exactly right. Yeah, it's, it's a bitch. It just is. So we tried to put a big enough tank on it where, where we were back all the time. We couldn't do it. Yeah. And then try to get through some of these tunnels and they're like, that's a propane tank. Was a truck built with it? Did you add it on afterwards? And you're like, yep. yeah, you know what? Just forget about it. Yep. <laughs>
0: so exactly. It
1: becomes, becomes problematic.
0: I um you know, you're at the Louisville truck show. I remember a year I mm-hmm. was very, very vocal about all of this, both hydrogen and propane, because I had tested them around the same time. And I'm standing mm-hmm. in Louisville and I'm kinda surrounded, you know. When I stop, people kinda stop, we get a little crowd, we're standing there talking. Uh, a couple of guys walk mm-hmm. up and, and they had the whole Paul Bunyan thing going on, you know, the big beard and the uh, flannel. Uh, shirts uh, and, uh, <laughs>
1: Untied boots, uh, yeah.
0: and, like three of them, like push through the crowd, get right up in my face. Wanted to fight you over yeah, this and shit. They're like you're so <laughs> full <foolish. laughs> of shit, you're wrong. We have
2: a broken system. i like,
1: <laughs> I've had this happen Jeez. twice already here, where somebody's like,
2: "You don't know what the frick like, you're I, talking about. <laughs> and who
1: the hell are you?" I was like, Geez, oh I, Pete, I thought we were going to wow. a rumble." <laughs> yeah. I know the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. It's yeah. You get some looks from these guys that you're thinking we're going to throw down here. going yeah. to happen. They oh, oh, Jesus! Yeah. It is just always surprises me how strong the emotional attachment is to some of the, some of these pieces of equipment. Where it's you know it, it's definitely not a business thing. It is an emotional thing, and and these guys are willing to fight over <laughs> it. I'm like, man, oh, man, I, see, I, don't, I guess maybe when I first started driving, I kind of saw things in that light. But once I learned that this is a business, it is a business. And just leave your emotions at home and make business decisions. And it, you're, you're going to be better off for it.
0: And, you know, we have to talk about that now more than ever. Last three, four years. Hell, I could ignore that. Yeah. You go buy a truck, you know, sleep through most days mm-hmm. and you'd still succeed. I mean, you didn't have to do anything other than show up. You could show up with any truck. You could show up with almost any attitude, and you could go survive and make money. I mean, that's how crazy the economy was. We are heading into the exact opposite. I agree. I I am going to predict. I agree. I don't like to make predictions. I am going to predict we are heading into the worst freight environment in my time in this industry.
1: It's going to be tough. I don't know how severe obviously it's going to get but we we have to. I mean, you cannot continuously go up 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 and up without a down. And when we come down after a prolonged up period, they generally crash a little harder. I think that's There's historically a- it's proven out. And so I think you're right. We're going to we're going to feel the pain and and you know, guys that aren't paying attention to the business aspect of it that are just out here, you know, for the lifestyle and whatnot, they're they're probably going to suffer a little bit more than the biz, the astute business person that's that's really paying attention to everything.
0: I think. So one of the differences I'm a little worried about this time. We know in a down economy, a lot of people lose their jobs. That's what kind of makes it a down economy. You lose your job, you you're not going to mm-hmm. go out and buy stuff. You're going to get very very frugal. You're going to get by on a little bit of money. You might go drive Uber, whatever you have to do to get by. I am shocked right now. It's not being covered very much, but if you go digging into layoffs, the layoffs are insane Mm -hmm. right now. Everybody is laying people off, and it's hardly being talked about at all. On top of that, there is another big factor. I've mentioned this technology. I'm really, really worried about this technology. Did I say really worried? Mm -hmm. There are some predictions that within (laughs) the next 12 months, artificial intelligence could replace hundreds of thousands of jobs.
1: Yeah, I I'm with you on this. It's is scary stuff. Some of the stuff that this AI can do, it is crazy. And 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 in some instances, it's good. You know, supposedly the military's got some some fighter combat drones out there that are on AI that you know supposedly no human's going to be able to match what these things can do. Right. And that's a damn good thing, keeping us all safe. But if they are already to that extent, um. Jesus, man! How does that apply to just everyday life? And
0: well, let, you know, there, if, there,
1: I guess there can be a lot of upside, but you know, you there. may end up a servant to your
0: damn computer before you know it. It's crazy. We we are already using it in our business. There is an upside, it can save yeah. a. we write a lot of copy, we write ads, we write articles, we write all kinds of stuff, it's hard, I hate writing, then mm-hmm. you have to have somebody edit it and mm-hmm. AI does it all. It writes it, it edits, it's mm-hmm. damn near perfect on a lot of things. Now it's, it's somewhat basic mm-hmm. and generic, but it will crank out a thousand word article in about three minutes. And then it takes me maybe Mm -hmm. 15 to go in and personalize it instead of me spending Mm -hmm. three hours trying to write a thousand word article. So we're already using it in a Mm -hmm. tiny little company like ours. Obviously, it's there. I'm going to use it to my benefit. But I am really, really worried about this technology. Forget all the crazy stuff of, you know, they're going to come alive and kill us in the night or enslave us or whatever. I mean, I can't even get my head around stuff like Mm -hmm. that. I'm just worried about the fact that we're heading into a bad recession with a lot of layoffs. And this could just start replacing people.
1: Right, right, right. Now I hear you.
0: And and people I you. might say, you know, we're worried about autonomous trucks taking our jobs. This this technology is going to start taking jobs right now. Autonomous trucks aren't taking jobs away from anybody right now. They're creating jobs. This technology is going to take jobs away. It's probably already happening. And you can say, well, that doesn't bother me. It's their office workers. No, those office workers buy the stuff you deliver when they lose their job yeah. you've got a problem
1: yep 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 it has a trickle down effect there's no doubt about it so it's uh it's a hard uh it's a hard hard problem really ai i mean you can you can sit and think about all the good that it does and then you can look at it for all the bad that it does and then somebody says well it needs to be regulated uh, there now we, here's the government there again. there we go <laughs> and
0: you could yep. certainly make the argument that, that maybe this actually does need to be regulated. There's two problems with that. One, yep. I don't trust the government to regulate anything. They screw <laughs> hey, it up every that, time. That is the problem. And, yes. and so So yes. I, I could say, yep. yes, a technology like this needs to be regulated. The problem is I don't trust our government to regulate it. There's another problem. I'm not sure our government can regulate it. This is computer code. A piece of code that yep. took the last twenty years to write and 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 create and tweak and get it close to being right took them twenty years. Takes mm-hmm. us two seconds to make a new copy of it. Yep. It yep. can make its own copies. Yep. Why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it just start saying, "Hey, I think they're trying to kill me. I think they're sure. trying to delete me. I'll just make a sure. million that, new that, copies okay. of myself." <laughs> <laughs> That's a, exactly right. You're, we might not be you got able exactly to regulate right. this. Mm-hmm. The, the oh, only, yeah, we got the, Terminator. Terminator started, right? <laughs> this is just like the whole gun argument. We need to regulate guns. Well, well, wait a minute. The only people who follow regulations are the people who weren't going to break the law in the first place. To begin the with the that's the exactly right worried about don't follow laws and regulations
1: yeah yeah that's exactly right <sighs> that is exactly
0: right <laughs> all right let's grab that's another crazy call. i know it is let's go to new mexico jason welcome to the program
7: hey guys i called in earlier this week and, and dropped the call but uh Kevin, you and I were talking about, you know, with my particular operation and, and the truck that I'm currently running, it's probably a good time to be looking into getting something um, newer and a bit more fuel efficient. I kind of wanted to uh, get y'all's opinion. You know, we had talked looking at Freightliner and all the kind of way to get down into the details on, on some of that and see, you know, what kind of mileage I should be looking for if there's certain... Certain things that become problematic, you know, especially with regards to the emission system at certain mileages. Um, you know, I've just kind of, kind of, a little bit, little bit of specs and a little bit more details on on those two manufacturers and, and what to be on the lookout for in a used truck.
0: Got it. Okay. Hey, one thing I want to ask you, Joel, before we jump into this. Mm-hmm. I've been watching truck pricing, mostly used truck pricing. It hasn't come down anywhere near to where I thought it would have been by now, and I'm a little confused by that still. Mm-hmm. And it may just be inflation. Mm-hmm. Inflation may be the thing that's confusing a lot of this issue. We we know we were hearing these crazy price increases on the new trucks. Is that still happening, or have they pulled back at all?
1: No, you're going to get that as the new EPA requirements hit we're gonna you're gonna see that steady increase in pricing so if
0: we wanted to buy a new very well-specced volvo right now and i know there's a couple different configurations but just something general to pull general freight Mm -hmm. around we want that 10 mile per gallon potential what am i going to pay for a truck like that realistically with fet out the door what am i paying two hundred
1: and ten thousand dollars for one that's that's very well specced and has a high level interior in it. Okay. Fleets are going to get them in the 175 to 190,000 range, but you're, you're looking at probably 210 for something similar to what, what I have right now. Yeah. And that's steep.
0: I mean, that that's a, that's, and you, you have to look pretty hard. At it, that. Well, l- listen, you know, you know, you have to look hard at it, but I got shopping around,
1: got on the truck paper. Cause I wanted to see what, my truck was compared to some of these, you know, laid out classic style trucks. And that stuff, I some of that stuff was three hundred and thirty, three hundred and forty thousand dollars for diesel powered truck. 605 Cummins, 18 speed, you know, the big cow oh catcher God. on the front. 310, Jeez. 315, and the high twos were were pretty normal. And so
0: Kind of look at this is kind of it's a pretty a, good value when you not when you judge it that way. Value. it's an it's an insane <laughs> value. You're right. Who's I, buying I, those trucks?
1: I, I that's exactly what I want to know. Who the hell is buying those trucks, and how do they stay in business?
3: I don't I, know.
1: I,
0: I can't figure it out. Yeah. So I don't I don't understand it. So your truck right now, how many miles are on it? Right
1: now, um, I have a
0: 40000 on it. you to be. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to see if we could make it kind of a comparison of yours. So what would a, let's say I find a really well-specced three-year-old Volvo. About what am I paying today? 62000 uh,
1: sixty-two thousand, sixty-three thousand. Okay. 63000 Well, no, if you're talking three-year-old, that was five-year-old. I was looking oh, okay. at five-year-old trucks okay. for in six, that 60 a- range. So you're probably, yeah,
0: you're probably into eighty to ninety thousand range, I suppose. A three year old. head steep, but I, I'm just not. I don't know why they're not coming down more. I really expected prices to drop faster than this.
1: Well, we're seeing the price drop start in trailers, okay. and it's kind of funny. It's body in the marketplace right now for used trailers pricing some of them still have the crazy prices some of them are starting to moderate but the big fleets are starting to buy new at more much more reasonable prices of course you don't hear about any of that so right. i would expect we're going to see trailer prices drop first and and then i think once the trailer prices start to come down i think we're going to start to see the trucks come down um come down as well. I don't think inflation is keeping the the prices as high as they are. I think it's more that people kind of got used to paying the high prices during the whole covid
0: thing and I, that's kind of they're going to keep meant, putting them yeah, out there as long as they can. Yep, yeah, it yep, wasn't yep. a direct result of inflation. It was more of a mindset. We we all got into yep. this mindset that everything is crazy expensive and it was, but it Yep. And there was a reason yep. why it was. Those reasons have mostly disappeared, yep. but the mindset hasn't yet. Right, right. And and I think
1: the the trailers will kind of break that mindset when people start to see trailer prices coming down. Then the expectation will be the rest of the stuff should start coming down, I think.
0: I think so, too. And... What we keep hearing, you know, when I watch freight waves and the tender rejection just hit another record low, that's a really bad sign for us. But there, when you mm-hmm. dig into the numbers, it's not that there's any real lack of freight. The freight volumes are pretty steady. Right. We're not at low, low volumes right. historically. The problem is we just have right. way too much capacity which is also a good sign right. that once everybody figures this out, then that equipment is going to get cheap because you got to get that capacity out of where it is right now and a bunch of it's going to sit. Sure. And when it's sitting, it's going to become yep. cheap.
1: Yep, yep. I agree. Yeah, I think that's exactly the way it's going to play out.
0: Anything else, Jason? Oh, yeah, of course you got something else. We never answered your question. <laughs> <laughs> we just got talking joy you want to help him here with you know on the volvo side what he might want to be looking at right now
1: so you're looking for what year range are you looking at
7: well that's kind of what i'm trying to figure out i okay kind of okay keeping an eye also and, and seen what you were talking about with pricing on the on the three-year-old trucks i just didn't know i mean that's that's that is a little steep. I mean, I've got a paid for truck now and I'm, I'm reluctant going into this this economy that we're getting ready to be in to pick up another truck payment, but I'm really tired of old truck problems, man. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, those, those newer trucks in that three-year range are, they're pretty enticing right now. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, if, if that would be beneficial or, you know, if maybe something down in that $60,000 range, like you were talking about, would still be a pretty decent investment.
1: So, the Volvo, when you are talking 2018 and newer, you're going to get the common rail fuel injection, um, and I believe that's right around when they started to put in the the, the laser welded exhaust plungers and whatnot. So they typically have uh, fewer injector problems. So you know, 2018 and up is probably where I would be looking. You also start to tend to get better parameters and logic as far as the downsped concept goes. Uh, the the turbo compounded engine, the Gen 1, was released right around that 2017-2018 time period. Um, so if possible, and you're looking Volvo, you definitely want to grab a TC if there is one available. Obviously, the Gen 2 is is going to be more fuel efficient than the Gen 1. I don't know that there's going to be a lot of Gen 2s floating around out there. Both the Gen 1 and Gen 2 minimum, you're going to be 6 to 7% more fuel efficient than a VGT from like the 2014, 15, 16 time period. Um, so what you're going to notice in the newer Engines with the VGT, you're not going to find the, the downsped specs like you will with the used TCs. Every TC is downsped. Um, VGT, maybe half of them are going to be. And if you're looking to improve fuel efficiency, you do not want to buy a traditionally geared newer truck because you are not going to get that fuel efficiency bump over your older truck. Because you're essentially have, doing the same thing you've always done.
0: Yeah, and you'll have maintenance issues. And 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 you're going to have emission
1: system problems down the road. So um, the likelihood of emission system problems goes down the more aggressively downsped the, the truck is. So just keep that in mind. If you real common one that you'll probably be able to find out there will be a two forty seven overdrive with a TC, not optimal, but it's not bad either. It's, it's actually a, a fairly decent spec for, for fuel efficiency. Um, it is not today's eye torque by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it's pretty damn respectable. Um, it, you know, there's certain things that I would look for as far as when you're looking at a truck if it's in a dealer lot. I, the first thing I'd look to see where the default starting gear set the transmission. And if it's set at like fifth gear, I would just walk away from it because you're going to be putting clutch and driveline in that truck if it's got any miles on it at all. If the default starting gear is set too high, anything over third gear, and I would just walk away from it, to be honest with you. You'd also want to look to see how many regens have been completed. In the in the uh, ECM, they give you an idea of if they were if they were doing a lot of regens, you're probably going to want to walk away from it as well. Uh, so there's you know there's certain things we can look at in the computer that will give us a clue as to how this truck's going to perform once once you get a hold of it.
7: Now how many how many re- I'm running a non-emission truck right now, so how many regens would you consider high? Give a mileage. Like, let's you say know what? Miles, I, what would he,
1: you high? Yeah, I don't know that I can answer that right off the top of my head. I'd probably have to get with one of my guys in the shop. Since we're not having a lot of reach these days, I don't okay. know if I can give you a, an answer that makes sense. Um, let me check into that and see if I can get you an answer on the next show.
7: How's that? Okay. Yeah, that'd be Let's great. If that'd I be can, or I'm, yep. in the, I'm in the nine plus mile per gallon group on Facebook.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we of, can throw that out I there if there. I can.
7: Yeah.
1: Yep. If I can get a decent answer for you, I'll talk to some okay. of my my contacts at Powertrain and see what their thoughts are on that. Um, they should know what's average and normal and abnormal and whatnot. So I'll see what I can find out.
7: Now I read an article. TC standard on Volvo trucks now, and if so, what year did that? It have? is. It is. The standard just just I think
1: it just started this year, or maybe it was last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you're not going to find a whole lot of them floating around out there, but if you do, they're definitely definitely worth worth a look. Where you want to avoid a TC? Well, I, I don't know that you so much want to avoid it when they're new. Some people were initially specking them with like two seventy nines rear end gears, and it just wasn't getting the RPM low enough to take advantage of the TC. It's not going to hurt it mechanically, um, but you're not going to get the killer fuel mileage out of it. Anything above 247, 264 with a TC seems to be fairly common. They do pull better than the 264 VGT, but the fuel efficiency was about the same. The 247, it started to get a little bit better than the VGT. And then when we got down into the 216, things really, really started to get good in terms of fuel efficiency and driving your maintenance costs down. Sure.
7: So, I mean, as far as your experience goes, I mean, that half a million mile mark, I mean, would I would I be pretty safe or would there be some, some maintenance items that so, were coming up?
1: Here's here's what I would do on a half million mile truck. If it is pre common rail, the first thing that I do is you're going to perform a um, a test on it where you run the, the return fuel through a clear hose and you're looking for bubbles in the in the the fuel to see if your injectors are still seated on the cups. If you don't have a history on the engine. Um, you, you want to make sure that we don't have a problem if the fuel return is clear of bubbles, then we go in and run an overhead. We do the exhaust plungers, we retorque the injector hold downs. we replace the um, check valve on the head, the fuel overflow valve they call it. We pull the crank position sensor and clean it off uh, have the the DPF cleaned, uh, myself, we just power wash the damn things and it works just fine. Uh, we just want to make sure that we're starting with a clean baseline. So we're not running into, you know, these problems over and over again. First it's this versus that. And then you've got to take the truck down, you know, when you're on the road someplace at a shop that you, you're not real familiar with. So we try to get all that basic stuff done. It's not super expensive. Um, and will improve the fuel efficiency and the reliability of the engine. It gives you a nice clean baseline to start over
7: at. Good. And that was uh, you said that was a pre-18. You'd probably be looking at a lot. Yeah. Of
1: no. Yeah. 18 and over. Obviously, we should have the exhaust plunger issues. Uh, there is no check valve on the head because it's common rail at that point, and so there's no there's none of the the fuel galley. I wouldn't say issues, but maintenance requirements that go along with that. Um, so there will be less to do the the 18 and newer, absolutely. Okay.
7: Yeah, as far as gear ratio goes, I haven't seen a whole lot out there that's any lower than that 246, 247 you were talking about. Do you think that's going to be all right, though?
1: It will. It will give you some very decent fuel efficiency. You're not seeing it because the 13 to 14 speeds weren't widely into the marketplace on the highway trucks, so they didn't have the startability. So that 247, it's the cutoff for just about every manufacturer, you know, oh, with, a, with a 12 speed mm-hmm. across the board. When you look at all, all of them, 247 overdrive is going to be about it. Sure.
7: Um, now I know I know something else you you're pretty big on is the six by two. But those I haven't seen one yet of um, you know being sold used. I mean, have you seen any of those? Um, or do uh, you, you run a six by four and be relatively efficient?
1: Yeah, you you can get some decent efficiency out of a six by four. You you drain the the typical gear oil out of it and put some of the, the Dana Spicer ultra efficient gear lube that I always talk about. You put that in there and that's gonna that's gonna help with that. But um if you are a member over at, at Volvo Truck Masters, we have a sister um, group, a buy sell page, and six by twos pop up with regularity on, on that page. So you Regularly. and it's it's Volvo specific. So a lot of dealers are in there, and you do see them pop up on there. So a lot of lift axle trucks I've seen come across that page. So you may want to do that if you, if you haven't already.
7: You said that was Volvo Truck Masters. That's on Facebook? Yep. Yep,
1: and then we've got a sister page. I think it's Volvo Truck Buy, Sell Masters, and uh, you can join that, too, and you can watch the watch the marketplace for the used Volvos.
7: Okay. As far as wheelbase goes, I know yours is pretty short. You're able to accommodate that with the 6x2. Uh, I've seen a lot in the 230-inch range. i am um, running an open deck, too, so, I mean, how, how important do you think it is to really get Yeah,
1: It's not as critical on an open deck. That shorter okay. wheelbase means everything on a dry van, but uh, for sure. an open deck, it's, it's not that big a deal.
7: Okay. Okay. And then, Kevin, maybe this is a bit more in your wheelhouse as far as the Freightliner goes i mean i know the one box at a certain point is going to be an issue but are you familiar with any other kind of maintenance concerns at a certain mileage or kind of what uh, what things to be watching out for on on that front
0: not really and the one box issue if it the truck's been spec'd right operated right you know we we do all the right stuff by the time we have to replace that one box it's expensive, but when you do it per mile over that time, it's not a deal breaker. Sure. If it was, we wouldn't be talking about that truck period. But to me, that that is probably the second best option if you want to make money, and that's with the one box issue being known. You can still make a lot of money with a right. well specced DD fifteen, or you know, in some operations, I might even lean towards the DD thirteen, um, and. I would venture to say that in my searches, I find more well-specced Volvos than almost any other truck. It's not that I'm finding a lot of them, but you find them. There are some really nice six by twos once in a while with the right gears. And second, I would say would probably be a Cascadia. You see plenty of those where they've gotten down into the 247s and, and some of the gears that are really working well for them. You can find those trucks on the market now. Sure. Volvo would be okay. my first uh, choice Freightliner well, would be my second and actually for me yep. I yeah. I would really prefer a Western Star with a, a DD series engine in it then they do get kind of hard to find used there's not many of those being built why, sold Why is it that you'd prefer Western Star The quality of the cab is so much better that's my biggest oh, problem okay. with Freightliner, always has been. The quality of their cabs is awful, awful. Unless we go all the way back to the FLD, that was actually a really quality build. But the the whole Century Columbia garbage, that stuff was just garbage. They did make some improvements with the Cascadia, actually some big improvements, but they're not at the level of a Volvo or a PAC car when you start talking about cab quality.
7: Okay okay
0: now i and, mean would and, you and think here's that the, you know I, I will also say this cab quality has zero to do with your profitability you're it's not that you're going to spend a oh, ton yeah. of money because of this it's just annoying you know you spend all day in that truck and right. the interior starts to fall apart it's just annoying
7: yeah i agree okay so i mean say we Probably that half a billion mile mark would be pretty safe to, to be looking at the Freightliner as well. It kind of sounds like the half a billion miles is probably not too bad. On all those at types all. That, not at all. You, and would you agree? Okay. Here's
0: how I approach mileage, though. Joel, I think you would probably agree with this. There is no mileage number where I say, oh, I'm not going to look at that truck anymore. I mean, there just isn't. To me. There's just, there has to be a good correlation between the miles left on the truck and how much I'm paying for it. That's really the- Yeah, factor.
1: that's a, that's a, That's exactly right. And with some of the the older Volvo stuff, if you know the little spots that you have to concentrate on like the exhaust plungers and retorque and the injector hold downs and whatnot, and the, and the valve that we talked about on the back of the head for the fuel system, if you can buy an older one right and still have money to re-ratio it, eh, you know, then, then, then you've got something. So, it, it, you, Kevin, you're right. It's all about the relationship between miles and the price you're, you're paying for it. I don't think, you know, I, I've made this statement a few times. We've been running Volvo Power since 2007, and we've never done an in-frame on a Volvo truck, or we've never done a rod main bearings, and we've had multiple... Multiple trucks go out over a million miles. So does that scare me that, oh, I'll buy this and I'll have to rebuild it if it's a Volvo? No, it doesn't scare me a bit. I think it's just, just the purchase price is what you really got to look at there and, well, and he, make sure that you're not overpaying for it.
0: Here's the thing. When we talk about, we had a caller earlier that asked, you know, we have some people who share all of their numbers. Their entire P&L they share with us. Matt's one of them. We do it on the show all the time. And we do it not to brag. We do it to show what's possible when mm-hmm. you do the right things. That's why we talk about these kind of numbers. Mm-hmm. I, I just asked Matt because I'm not sure how many miles are on his current truck, but I think there's a lot. Jackie called us the other day saying she bought another truck. And I was a little shocked because she's had her truck for so long. I mean, a long, long, long time. And hers has over 2 million Mm -hmm. miles on it. These are people who are both extremely Mm -hmm. profitable. So that just tells us even a truck Mm -hmm. with 2 million miles still out on the road making money.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Sure. Sure.
7: So, Joel, with that being said, Kevin, I think you had a caller maybe last week was trying to sell a 16 Volvo with a rebuild. I don't remember where he was pricing or anything like that. But I mean, would that be would that be something to maybe keep an eye out for? Something like that might be a good option.
1: I mean, yeah. I guess my question is,
0: what the hell did he need a rebuild
1: <laughs> Joel, <laughs> that's,
0: for? But you know, it, rebuild was done right. Sure, why not? It was done really okay. early. I'm trying to remember. I think, did it overheat? We had some sort of a... I
7: can't remember what he said. Happened it there.
0: was something really unusual because my first question, too, was why the hell did you rebuild a Volvo? It's the first one I've heard about in years. Nobody rebuilds these things. Yep. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember, but right. it, it was something unusual, no doubt. Hey, I just got the answer back from Matt. The current truck that he's in the truck has 2.3 million miles. The engine has 500,000. There you go. So to me, it really nice. is that, you know, old trucks, new trucks, it's just a matter of value, it, being able to understand what, what the true value of that truck is.
1: Right, right. Yep. Yeah, you, you can make right, a guys. brand new truck work you can make a truck with 2 million miles work. It's just all, all about buying it right. And then understanding what you have, right? Um, if, if you're buying a Volvo and you've got no clue on all the little things that you need to understand, you're going to struggle. And that's kind of why we, we (laughs) have the Volvo masters resource page out there to help you out. So make, make life a little easier.
0: You know, it's kind of funny. I'm texting Matt asking him all these questions, waiting for him to answer. And the last one he sent back is I'm on hold. (laughs) <laughs> he's he's next up on the board. I didn't even realize it. I could have just asked him.
7: All right, guys. That well, gave me a lot to chew on, a lot to think over. So I'll let you. I'll let you move on.
0: All right, good stuff. Sure, thanks. All right, we hold on one second because I thought I had a note. Oh, I know what. I, we'll bring Matt in and we can all just. I am going to bring up another topic. You know, I talk all the time about how I just read a lot of headlines all day long. And if the headline's interesting, then I dig into it. But a lot of times you can tell kind of what's happening just by headlines, as long as you're careful, because they also write a lot of deceiving headlines. One of the headlines I've been seeing quite a bit of in trucking recently, and I'm wondering, is this becoming an issue? They seem to be, the FMCSA seems to be canceling a lot of ELDs. There's two more on the list. Is this like a you know, yeah? Thing? I, I've,
1: I've noticed that. <laughs> it, I don't know how big a thing it is, but yeah, they're definitely having some issues with some of the the ELD providers out
0: there. Hey Matt, you're with us. Welcome. Yep. Yeah. Good afternoon.
8: Yeah, I got an email earlier this week from the FMCSA about another one, but I think a lot of it is just software. Because I I know there were some updates that the FMCSA had that came in at different times, and some things are just not compatible, and either they haven't updated them, or, but a lot of them, too, are these cheap, you know, the ones that were really cheap, that people wanted cheap stuff, and, well, you get what you pay for sometimes, so...
1: some of these things we were testing some of this stuff and then, you know, some of the very cheap ones track you, you get moving and you know how there's a default where it has to put you in drive after you move for so fast or so many miles and they wouldn't do that. You know, it wasn't always working. It was designed to do that, but it wasn't doing it in practice. And so I think, um, you know, they review this stuff and I think they look at probably the number of complaints and stuff they get on it. Cause some of them are awful that way. And then others are, you know, really good. So
0: let me ask you something else about this because this is compliance, so I don't really spend a lot of time on it. But here's in this article, it it claims motor carriers who use the all way, that's one of them. That was that's the big one I've been seeing all over. All way track ELD must take the following steps. Now listen to this they give you two options. Discontinue using the revoked ELD and revert to paper logs or logging software to record required hours of service data. That's number one. Or number two, replace the revoked ELD with compliant ELDs. If I'm reading this, it tells me, hey, if your ELD isn't compliant anymore, you can go back to paper logs. Isn't you that, can, but they,
1: only for a certain time why period. don't
0: they say that then? I looked all over this article. It never says no.
8: <laughs> I think you don't so like put like it in the article, but yeah, I believe it, Yeah, seven or eight days.
0: Yeah, yeah they don't yeah. bother to tell you that. <laughs>
1: No, they don't, but oh. they should. That's exactly right. Yeah, just go back to paper and stay on
0: that, paper, right? it says I can do. As soon as I read that, I'm like, oh, cool. Everybody yeah. can go back to paper now. Just go buy one of these and then say it's, and I'm, you know, the FMCSA told me I could do this. They didn't tell me it was only seven days. <laughs>
3: you know,
0: and I I believe
8: these articles and when they actually send out an email of something being revoked. They are revoking usually the whole company. But if you go to the FMCSA's website and look at revoked, there's hundreds. And a lot of those are just certain
9: versions. Oh, jeez! Talk about confusing. They
8: did some update. (laughs) Well, yeah, you'll see the same company name on there like 10 or 15 times. This version, that version is not legal.
0: Here's something else from the news that fits right into Friday's. Two speeding tickets issued one was in an i 80 in wyoming ninety nine miles an hour, and the other one I saw in, that was yep. in Nebraska a hundred and one miles per hour in a truck ain't that crazy <laughs> Absolutely Look, crazy. We, we could laugh about it. We could, you know, we could say, I wonder what their fuel economy was at that time. It would be pretty interesting to know. But in reality, these people should lose their license. Come on. It is a very poor reflection on
1: our industry when that, that type of stuff happens. So, it, you know, people. People will remember that. And so then every truck driver drives a hundred mile an yep. hour and it just makes it difficult. We already have a hard enough time with public relations yep. and we certainly don't need stuff like that going on.
0: Imagine the devastation of that kind of weight crashing at that speed. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just blowing yeah. a tire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're right. Yeah. And, and, and. Most of I, as far as I remember from Mike Beckett, there is not a commercial tire that's rated for over, is it like seventy-five? I think eighty
1: majority. Hour, I think is the the top. Yeah, there are the majority. Yep.
8: yep. seventy-five most common, and I know there is, and I think they were cheap Chinese tires that were rated at eighty.
1: Oh, I trust them. Yeah, I trust them. There's there's a there's a Pirelli knockoff that was coming out of South America that was rated for 82. And then some of, believe it or not, for coaches, they they go to 82 mile an hour. And that's Michelin, Bridgestone, all of them on the coach side, I believe, go to 82. But for purely truck tires, the only ones that I was aware of were these, I call it a Pirelli knockoff. I guess Pirelli was working with a company and, in South America, and I can't remember the name of, of the brand, and uh, they had an actual 82-mile-an-hour rated, because I was going to buy it just for shits and giggles to so run it out
0: on a small flat.
1: Yeah. <laughs> say, okay, look, they're 82, so...
0: It's a little safer, yeah. So. Yep, yeah, there you go.
8: <laughs> well, and, you know, back in the old days, people would could brag about how fast their truck could go. Right now, today... Right. Joel, do you even know what your truck would run out at?
4: Yeah. I
8: am in high gear. You're, you're
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. When I had the 205 on it, I think it was 153, I think well, is where it would theoretically run out to.
0: Yeah, there's another issue there, though. <laughs> you have the gear that will go that fast, but somebody calculate how much. It's horse a horsepower right?
1: issue. Yeah. <laughs> right. it's, it's a horsepower issue, yeah. There's there's no doubt. But, yeah, it's right. Yeah.
8: And yeah, same here, you know, where I've changed my ratios to, I don't know the number, but I'm sure 110, 115 right. wouldn't be an issue, but there's no way in hell I'd drive that fast. you know, not even rolling down a hill on a <laughs> no. straight, Right. You know, right. letting the truck idle, it's yeah, not happening. <laughs> you
0: start to picture what would happen if you lost the steer tire. Yeah. So, yeah just about um,
1: anything
8: I've only got me, a, it's going be a problem. Yeah. Yep. yeah I've only got a minute or two here. I'm turning in the driveway to my delivery. Joel actually answered what I was calling about earlier when you were talking about hydrogen and fuel cells and the big confusion on that is the difference between a hydrogen internal combustion engine and a hydrogen fuel cell on an electric powered vehicle. Right. there. There is right. some sense to a hydrogen fuel cell. You know, it all depends on where battery technology goes, whether it makes sense or not in the long term. And then eventually batteries will get there, but it's a matter of time. Um, and you were also talking about the Cummins engines. Mm-hmm. I have a, a friend that went through that training, too. Mm-hmm. And he, after the class, was asking the guy, well, what does this convert to to, you know, cost per mile on the hydrogen internal combustion? And this that guy answered it a little different. He said, basically, you'd have to be at at least $12 a gallon diesel to start comparing it. <laughs> <Jeez>.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's... Uh... I'm hearing similar reports about that. I'm not exactly sure what they're going to use, what application they're going to use these in. Maybe it's at these clean air designated facilities, these ports and whatnot, that have basically outlawed diesel. Maybe that's where they're going to use them, I guess. But from my understanding is they're, they're nowhere in the realm of even being remotely usable for a average over-the-road operation. Yep, And, you know, maybe it does
8: make sense are local and like we talked with garbage trucks and one
1: second uh, yeah possibly possibly yep. i i don't know but yeah it's crazy
0: so i am looking toyota actually in 2022 they make a call car called a murray i don't know m-i-r-a-i i don't know how you pronounce that um they're saying it's fuel cell electric. When I look at their diagrams and when I read what they're saying, um, so here's their explanation. And I'm looking at this diagram. It's got something that looks like an internal combustion engine under the hood. It's got these two giant tanks One, like where your drive shaft would be, but it's this big tank, that whole distance. And then another one turned perpendicular to that at the back. So they form like a T. Then there's a bunch of motors in the back, it looks like. But here's their explanation. At the core of the Mirai, hydrogen from the fuel tank and air entering from the intake grill meet in the fuel cell stack. They're a chemical reaction involving the oxygen in the air and hydrogen creates electricity powering. That's a fuel cell, not a that. Right. Isn't that what we're talking about? That's right. Is that what we're talking about? I think so. But what's this engine? That would my thing guess. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. I, I don't know. Why
1: take a look at it.
0: It's bizarre. I mean, the drivetrain on this thing is (laughs) outrageously complicated. Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) This is the opposite of battery electric. You know, one of the things we talk about with battery electric is how few parts there are in a vehicle, how easy it is to build a new vehicle. Thank you. You You build a platform with batteries, and then you drop any kind of body you want on it. It, They're very, very simple vehicles. Now, I know the electronics get crazy complicated, but as far as parts, moving parts, that kind of stuff, they're far more simple. This looks like it's the opposite. This looks way more complicated than our current vehicles.
1: Well, I would agree with you.
0: So, so maybe maybe here's where my misunderstanding was. I guess I thought we were producing electricity to charge a battery, but we're really just producing electricity and using it immediately.
1: Yes. In a fuel cell electric, correct?
0: Yes. Yeah, I was a little confused about that. So that's why you have to have all the... See, I thought we were gonna take some hydrogen, create electricity, charge a battery, and then run the vehicle off the battery. What this looks like is just way Uh, more complicated than that.
1: I think there is a version of what you're talking about where they're using a fuel cell to charge a battery, and then there are direct-powered fuel cells. I think both exist.
0: This one looks direct-powered, and it looks pretty complicated. And honestly, we're looking at a pretty basic four-door sedan here, kind of mid-size, maybe even a little smaller. And they claim it gets 67 miles to the gallon. Gallon of what? They call it MPGE, but they, oh. And, and,
1: That's it, the equivalent, yeah. yeah.
0: So it gets you 67 know. miles per gallon of the equivalent, but it's also a $66,000 car for a mid four-door sedan. Yep. Four-door sedan.
1: You know what? I think yeah, the same people that are buying those are the same people that are buying the $330,000 truck. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you're right. I, I think that's what's going on here. Yeah. Sheesh.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: Yep. We have a
8: Jeep Grand Cherokee, and I was in for service at a Jeep dealer and waiting for my son to pick me up. So I was walking a lot. And they have what they call a four by E and I've never mm-hmm. looked up the details. so I don't know if it's, but it's a, a combination gas and electric. So I don't know if one axles electric and one axles powered off the internal combustion, I mean, it's a, I can't remember the price tag, almost 80 grand. I think it was 70 something for, for wow. you know, a crossover, not even a full SUV. And wow. I think the sticker said 60 miles to the gallon on gas. And then they had a number there for kilowatt per mile also, but when you're running both together.
0: So here's something else to think about. If we talk about trucking, one of the biggest challenges I've had for years is to try to get people to just track your damn numbers. Know what fuel is really costing Mm -hmm. you. Know what your maintenance costs. We fight like that constantly. Do you know how complicated it's getting with these new vehicles to try to make any kind of comparison? Yep. Yep.
10: Yep.
8: And I think that's what the caller earlier was trying to ask you, Joel, when he asked you about your Mm -hmm. numbers. Mm
7: Because
8: revenue per mile is wildly different between everybody. I think you might have been asking more cost per mile. Um, I oh, gotcha. have mine here. My fuel cost for my 90-day average is 44 cents a mile. Wow. And my last fuel up, which was actually a horrible tank. I was under eight miles to a gallon. <laughs> but because mm. of the weather and all that, I was at 43 for this week.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs>
8: But I'm uh, just opening my doors here to back up to a dock. There's a lot more I'd love to talk about, but I got to work.
2: I hear you,
1: my friend. I've got some similar situation going on here. I got fifteen people standing outside my truck here. I'm sitting in the truck to do this, and they're all standing there waiting. So, I think I'm
0: going to have to bail eventually here because it's uh...
1: it's it's crazy how busy they
0: are. All right, Matt, I'll cut you loose, Joel. Anytime you need to jump out of here, go ahead. We'll just wrap it up, but know what that's like at the truck show and they'll stand there a long time too. They're very patient.
1: Hey, yeah, mm-hmm. they are. They're waving, they're standing, they're looking. So I, I probably ought to, cause there, there's a line up here. I probably ought to get to it cause it's going
0: to, got it. It's not going to be yeah. good if I don't. Now so. go ahead and take off. I know so, how busy yeah. truck shows are. A great show today. appreciate it. Yep. And uh, we'll do it again next week. Yep. All right. Thanks Kevin. I All appreciate right. it. Yeah. I'm going to hang out. We have uh, two more calls. I'll take them and if more come in, I'll take them. So if you want to jump in and join us, go ahead. Let's go to Kansas. Bob, welcome to the program.
2: Hello. Hey, uh, I I had a question about some trucks that I had bought. And I think I made a mistake, or I did make a mistake, on specking them out. And you guys were talking about the gearings. These are 2021 Volvos. Probably, I think, three of them are 2021s, and one of them is a... 2020, and when I did it, I got. I, I told him I wanted 264 gears, and when the the guys at the dealership like, no, you don't want that, and so we went back to like a 271. Ooh. and what I, was the, the other mistake I made? First off.
0: What was their, did they explain anything? Look, 264 is not the best gear. That That's a, a gear we really like on some of the older engines, not the new downspeeding. Um, but to say 264 is wrong, we're going to use a 271. They're so close, you almost can't measure the difference. What was their logic? In, and they're going the wrong way. We should have been going to a higher gear ratio, not a lower one.
2: I know. It, I should have. I should have known better than this, but that when, when I did it, I was just thinking, you know, I do some off-road work. Like when we deliver, we're usually off-road and stuff. And they said, well, let's go with this gear because of what we're doing and stuff. 90% of what I, I'm on the highway. And then it's that last 10% that we go off highway. and stuff. So I, understand. I was a little bit
0: worried about I, that. I understand what they did now. I, I can almost guarantee they went back and did a start ability or gradeability calculation and decided to make a change that only affects you about 1% of the time the truck is running. And it made you inefficient the other 99% of the time. I would rather deal with the startability issue with the good driver. I don't see it as much of an issue. If you're going to tear up drive lines and differentials with 264s, you're going to do it with 271s too.
2: And I didn't quite understand the transmission and then having that transmission that is, you know, goes to the, when I was ordering this, I think it was like 19 ish or something like that or no, it was 20. Anyways, we, I did not understand, you know, you could go to this lower, you could order a special transmission that had that other set of gears in the bottom
0: Two crawler gears.
2: My real question is the crawler gears. My real question is, should I you know, keep these trucks or should I audiosa and go for another and do it right to get, you know, like right now. And I I haul oversize and my fuel mileage number is going to be weird.
0: Well, here's how we answer the question, though. We do have to go to numbers. This is a math question. We could say that that's not the best way to spec a truck, that truck. Well, sometimes, you know, you get the specs not exactly right. You still get pretty darn good results. So if we were getting reasonably good fuel economy and we weren't having emission issues, then we might just say, well, maybe we got lucky. This one does okay like this. Um, so we have to. Which I don't.
2: I don't. Have, I have not had any fuel or any any issues on these trucks. They ran perfect. I had one how many harness months? problem and that got to about 200. Yeah, you're not there yet. 20, 20 some are.
0: 300, yeah, 350, okay. 400. You'll, if the emissions have been operated in the wrong range, we're not keeping enough temperature in the engine, you will start to see some issues. Are you running Catalyst? And if you're not, I would. Yes, I do. Okay, good. That'll help. Um, and I know you said it's open. De- How many trucks do you have? Like, I'm not sure you're talking, it sounds like multiple there's, trucks.
2: There's, there's, I have four of the Volvos and my company is about, 12 trucks and about 40 trailers that we run around.
0: What would you say is a really good fuel economy number in this operation?
2: Well, I have W900s on the other half. I know it's a total crazy extreme, but my W900s, usually, they're all cats, you know, 550 cats. And they make around in the four, four and a half maybe. And my Volvos will be doing right at six.
0: Yeah, so the I believe that it's, had it's the, like
2: five seven, five yeah, had the five, Volvos 80, been spec'd you know.
0: right, we're probably looking at seven and a half to eight, had they been spec'd right. Um in even in an operation so, like this. My, and that's so knowing what the W nines did, knowing what your current Volvos did, then that helps. So now it becomes if we were to go spec these things right, we could expect might be a little stretch, but I like to stretch and shoot for big numbers. I would be shooting to improve by two miles per gallon. You said five, seven. Let's see if we can get seven, seven. I think that's reasonable at today's price. That saves you 20 grand a year in fuel cost. If you can improve two miles to the gallon, your pro and I don't know all your numbers, but I- I'm going to be close. We're about $20,000 a year per truck. And we can expect that you... Even with the catalyst, maybe we'll get lucky and you won't have emission issues, but you still might. When they're specced wrong, it's more likely we're going to have those issues. So now you start to look at it. Can I go get out of these trucks and into something better? And will I be able to make back the difference in less than two years? That would be kind of my break even when I started to analyze this. Look at everything I'm doing currently could I replace these trucks and how much is it going to cost me? Because you're going to trade in at the worst price possible and you're going to buy at the worst price possible. We always buy retail. We we sell or trade wholesale. We get hurt every time we exchange equipment. How much are we going to get hurt? I don't know till you go out and find the trucks you want and start to negotiate for them. And that's, what's going to have to happen. You get all your numbers together now. You go out and you find these trucks, start to negotiate for them. And then we, now we have a number. It's going to cost us X to replace the trucks. These trucks should save us this much per month or per year. Can we break even in less than two years? And if we can, then this is a project I'm probably going to take on. Now, I would also say, I'm not going to run out and buy the trucks next week. I'm going to start working on it. I, I still think prices are going to come down. I think we have about six months left. So this is a fairly complicated question with a lot of moving parts, but that's how I would approach it. I would get a really good handle on all my current numbers. And we have to take into account truck payments, insurance, depreciation, all of these things. It's all math, but that's the only way to answer a question like this.
2: Okay. I understand i I was just wondering if I mean, I don't think I want to get rid of the trucks i I love them, and they're doing way better than my old trucks correct, are that, and that's, that's right i just I'm just missing that last little step. You know, and they are actually—they don't even have the turbo compound on them. They're just the VG turbo. Well, then, and then that was another mistake I made. I mean, I made a lot of mistakes.
0: Well, earlier in this, asked, and
2: I—I admitted fully.
0: Earlier, you asked if we should regear. When we talk about those ideal Volvo specs, getting 10 plus miles to the gallon, we are talking about the turbo compounding with downspeeding. So we can't get your truck geared and, and achieve those kind of results. So gearing your truck may Well, I may was talking not about help. just
2: getting rid of the trucks and starting over again. Yeah,
0: correct. You know? I thought there was a question in there about just re-gearing these. That, that's not the answer. The answer no. if, I, if I, the I, numbers all work out would be getting well-specced Volvos. And does that make sense? And again, we just have to go do all that work because it's all just... A math game.
2: Yes. Okay. Well, I'll go back and start figuring that out. Here's another factor
0: we have to throw in. And the more factors we throw in, the more complicated this gets. But we've been used to an environment where interest rates on truck loans were really cheap. They're not anymore. Interest charges now need to be factored into this. Before, I almost never mentioned them. These interest rates were so damn cheap. But they're not anymore. So you start talking about $100,000 trucks, $150,000, $200,000 trucks, and interest rates go up three or four points. That makes a huge difference.
2: These are 180, 185, yeah, I think, there, is what that's,
0: you. what You go up a couple interest points on 180000 on three or four trucks, and you're going to spend an awful lot of money on interest.
2: It's like $500,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I messed up on, but I did. You know, I listened to you guys, but I did not get like. You know, I, now that I hear Joel speak, it just makes so much sense. Why didn't I? You know, uh, No, I, don't beat yourself the, the up too bad. Great it, so far, it, not.
0: You know, Joel's been working on this kind of stuff for thirty years. I've been working on this kind of stuff for thirty years, and we don't always have the answers. We're learning as we go on a lot of this stuff.
2: Well, I wish I would have heard of Joel's company and got to look at his website and how all that worked And when I was ordering them. And I, I, I really thought that, they, that, you know, the dealership would be oh, no. wanting to be involved and, and understood. I didn't even know the difference. To tell you the truth, this is how dumb I am. I didn't know that, at the, that there was a big difference between the VG and the turbo hey, compound. Hey, I thought Bob, they were the same thing. They, Bob,
0: let me correct something. Yeah. yeah. words are important to me. Words are powerful. You said, this is how dumb I am. No, you're not. You're ignorant. It's a huge difference. As soon as you knew there was a difference between those two engines, you understood it. You're not dumb. You were just ignorant to the fact that there were two different engines and how they operate. And so don't use that word dumb. Dumb bothers me. Ignorant. We're all ignorant. Ignorant doesn't bother me at all. All It just means there's something new I can learn and I'm going to go learn it.
2: Well, I was definitely ignorant of the turbo compounding, the transmission, having the crawler gear so right. I could use the higher gears on my off-road purposes and stuff. And I, now no, I got it. But I mean, I love these trucks. They are performing great. I think, I think I'm just going to run them out and see what happens. And and then would- maybe when interest rates, interest rates really, you know, I mean, you said interest rates, I just did some other stuff on a loan and I just was, it was for a house remodel and stuff. And I was like blown away how much interest rates because we refinanced our house, you know, when it was like 2.5%. And now for my remodel, it it was like six and a a quarter. And I was like, good grief, the same person.
0: That exactly. And that's what's happening with equipment financing and people don't think about that. And you have to. That's a factor right now. It hasn't been a factor for about 15 years, but now it's a factor again.
2: Okay.
0: No, that makes a lot of
2: sense. I'll let somebody else get in there. I appreciate your All right. advice.
0: Thanks for the call. Let's go to Arkansas. Glenn, welcome to the program.
9: Hello, hello. What's on Long your mind, Long time Ray? since I've been on. Well, good to have you here. Well, I've been chase, I've been chasing a problem. I'm gonna call it a leak down, but um first thing in the morning go to start the truck. Sometimes it doesn't wanna start, doesn't have a front doesn't there's no pressure. I gotta get out, pump the primer, pump the primer, starts right up.
0: This must be a cat.
9: I No, it's a no. Volvo. That's Oh that's, really? Hope and What year I was hoping Joel was gonna still be there. It's a 15, C-13. Okay. Now.
0: Well, the good news is
9: for the most uh, part,
0: these types of problems, leak down problems, they can be somewhat specific to a truck or an engine, but the way we troubleshoot is almost always the same. Go ahead. Keep telling me what you got, though.
9: well, Well, what triggered my call was Joel mentioning when he was talking to somebody when I actually got on, uh, when he was talking about doing different things, and he mentioned some kind of adjustment valve or whatever in the head, in the back of the head for fuel lines. I don't know what that was, and I still don't know what that was. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you where I've gone. I started out, I was, we diagnosed it to be the primer because we checked, checked valves and pulled some out of different motors and just swapped them around. That didn't seem to do the problem the change the primer, change the check valves, change the check valves with new thinking that maybe the O-ring's right. were breaking down uh, because it was only, I'm really only having a problem in cold temperatures. Okay. In warm temperatures, it seems like it'll start right up. Not every so, time, not but 90% of the time.
0: So that's not all that unusual. You know, We when you understand what happens when it gets cold, metal contracts. So, all the gaps or right. spaces get bigger as metal heats up, it expands right. and it fills gaps. And so, it, it's not unusual to have right. a leak that happens at certain temperatures.
9: Okay, well, I had we went in to check in, got a computer on it, did everything that you should do, and tested everything, and um, did have a couple of minor injector deals. I replaced all the injectors thinking the cups are leaking down and then replaced all those. Wait, wait,
0: Oh, you replaced the, you said you replaced the injectors. Did you also replace the cups?
9: Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. And then, and then I only had 80% power not realizing what was going on and it was throwing turbo codes. I replaced the turbo too. I mean, I've earned a lot of money.
0: were you working with the dealer on the injectors and the cups?
9: I was working with a, a, shop. Okay, not a, a shop, not a Volvo yeah. dealer. A
0: shop. Did anybody, somebody
9: at Volvo's trained and certified. anybody
0: recommend an oil sample before they replaced the cups?
9: I've done oil samples. I don't have one in, right in front of me. Did they? I, mean, it was not the I did not see a whole lot. Of,
0: no. I mean, if we don't have fuel not. in I've the antifreeze, up. I wouldn't be. Replacing injector cups. we did cups. not. I wouldn't replace injector cups. Yeah, There'd be no indication not. that they were bad.
9: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good... It's good to know.
0: Injectors, well, I wound up replacing
9: them a second time because they failed. Oh,
0: that's almost worse. <laughs> there, was, <laughs> there was nothing wrong I, with it. I the, understand. i just... Uh, yeah. Not... No, I know. It just frustrates me when shops don't okay. use so, the tools so that replaced. are available to diagnose this stuff. It's just like... And I, and I was about to say that they were, you've done a good job so far troubleshooting this. You hit all the right things, except their decision to change injector cups. I think it was a really poor decision. And then it got even worse because yeah. then the ones they replaced failed on you. That makes me a little crazy. Yeah. Working at the injectors yeah. made sense. It could have been the injectors leaking down. So, so if they tested some injectors, yeah. found some problems, sure, replace those 500,000 miles, not a big deal. Right. The cups. I don't know what anybody right. was thinking.
9: Okay. So, you know, so now I've been chasing this. Now, you know, it works okay for a little while and it's leaking down again.
0: How many miles? The last few days,
9: warm weather, no problem. Nine hundred and twenty. Here's what 000. I would do.
0: And I can't promise this is going to work. It's just one of those things that we've found that, After about 750000 I recommend replacing all the fuel lines, every fuel line, every fitting. Many people don't, but then if they call me and somebody says, I'm having this fuel issue, let's go replace it all. It should be replaced anyway. It's one of those maintenance items we like to change out. And many, many times you go through this process of changing all the fuel lines and the fittings. The problem disappears. We don't even know why or where. But who cares? It's gone.
9: Right. Well, I went. I didn't tell him to replace them, but I told him to check them all. He pressurized the entire system.
0: Yeah, I'd just rather replace them at this many miles. If you had 500,000, I'd say, okay, go ahead and do a pressure check. If we don't see any problems, let's move on to something else. At 900,000
9: miles, I want new
0: fuel lines anyway. Let's just put them in.
9: Right. Well, I even had somebody another mechanic friend of mine saying, how much fuel do you have in the tank? Thinking maybe the line when it was below fuel level had possibly a leak and it was leaking down there, but that wasn't a problem anyway. Cause I've had it full. I've had it yeah, right, full thing right now the pressurized portion of this whole thing, the mechanic came up with, and I can only go by what he tells me that the fuel um, oh, oh, and what's, what's below the uh, primer, the fuel housing, something housing, fuel filter housing. Oh, okay. He said it was sucking or leaking or whatever, and when they changed the primer, they should have changed that, and they didn't. So he tried to do whatever he could with what he had. It was on back order and he couldn't find it, and it didn't work. So I bought a new one. I haven't put it on yet. You know, I've just I've been throwing so much at this. And look, this, this
0: is one of those issues that troubleshooting sometimes is just a matter of throwing parts at it. It's hard to test these yeah. things. You can't visually look at a fuel system and tell much of anything, especially since you don't right. have a big problem yet. You have a problem that happens only when it's cold. This is still a minor problem. So (laughs) you're not going to find it looking at the physical fuel system. That's why we say, look, it's got 900,000 miles, new lines, new fittings. If it works great, if it doesn't, so what? I wanted them anyway. But this is one that I don't necessarily blame the shop for throwing parts at it sometimes. Sometimes you have to.
9: No, he treated me very well. I'm worried about that. I mean, I upgraded a lot of parts. The yeah, uh, the only thing I'm, I'm not I, upset with any of that.
0: Yeah, the cups bothered me a little, but they're doing a good job on this. They're hitting all the right stuff. They're they're looking in the right places. Still thinking with everything you've already looked at. I'm even more confident. Fuel lines might fix it.
9: Yeah, well, that's where I went, or that's what I've been thinking. I'm going to finish out the route I'm on right now. Well,
0: since you bought the housing, happens. I would replace but, that. Know. I mean, that nothing wrong with the replacing that. You've yeah, already got sure. it, so yeah, I would. Yeah, I would try the fuel lines now.
9: It'd be a whole lot better if it started in the cold and rain, and and I had to get out and work on it when it was warm <laughs> and dry.
0: Yeah, of course, <laughs> right? No, it. Uh, <laughs> This this is one of There's those. always that. Yeah, that's true. This is one of those that we have seen. You can struggle <laughs> with this one sometimes. This one can be tough to solve.
9: Yeah, I've made all the bases. I've done everything I can think of. Except, or they can think of. Except I'm fuel just lines. It. And the fuel lines will be next. Yeah, let's do those. And I thought about them and they pressurized and checked the best they could, I guess. But yeah. I was See, I, part, I went hey, there. Here, here's I did something there.
0: we have to think about. Did they, and I, I'm pretty sure I have the answer to this, did they go out outside and leave the truck out for 12 hours and then perform their test at about 4 o'clock in the morning when it was 17 degrees outside?
9: No, oh, they did it they, in a shop. Those guys, of, it
0: was, of course it
9: passed. No, they didn't even do it inside a shop. It was in Florida. It was under yes. a canopy. Of it was warm it all the time. Passed.
0: You're telling them it only fails when it's cold, <laughs> and they tested it when it never yeah. fails. That was just a waste of time.
9: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was actually failing all the time there for a while. And then it it seems to be mostly when it's cold.
0: Yeah. That's even more confusing. Boy, that's a twist that really...
9: Oh, I know. I've had computers check in everything that they can check and couldn't find anything. I've done everything. You know, I've done everything I know.
0: This is a physical issue. This is going to be a physical part somewhere. So. Fuel yeah. lines.
9: I've had two and a half shops thinking about it or playing with it.
0: Oh, good. Somebody will come up when with it. I say it two,
9: and, two and a half. Yeah. Call us you know, back and let us know. Fuel lines is the best. All right, Kevin. Appreciate you. Thanks your whole team.
0: Call. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Arkansas. Chip, welcome to the program.
9: Hey,
10: how are y'all today? Good.
0: What's on your mind?
10: Hey, I wonder if you, I've heard you talk about it before, but what exactly is double brokering
0: and... Boy, there's, there's an awful lot of also, interest uh, in this topic lately. I had this question yesterday too. I'll explain it to you and explain why we're so damn confused about the whole thing. We, we tend to use phrases in this industry that aren't clearly defined. We have lots of them. Owner operator, <laughs> leased operator, lease purchase operator. Nobody really defines any of those terms and they get used differently and then we get confused. This is another one. Traditionally, we use the word double brokering to, to denote something that is illegal. And then we use the word co-brokering to explain something that is totally legal. We may not like it. A lot of owner-operators don't like that it happens, but it's legal and it doesn't bother me at all. Here's the difference. Double brokering in its illegal sense, the way I've always used the term. Are, Are you a carrier? Do you have carrier authority?
10: I'm an owner-operator. I'm leased to
0: a carrier. Okay. So, if you have carrier authority and you get a load from a broker, like your carrier that you're leased to, if they got a load from a broker and they put it on your truck, completely legal, you're leased to them, you're running under their authority. If they try to take that load and broker it to some other owner-operator and they don't have broker authority... That's a double brokered illegal load. You can't, a carrier cannot broker a load without broker authority. But it happens a lot because carriers have freight and they post it and somebody comes and takes it. That's illegal. That's double brokering. They brokered a load without having authority to do it. But we started to use the word double brokering when I've always used the word co-brokering. Now, let's say your carrier has carrier authority and brokerage authority. It's very, very common. They get a load. They put it on your truck. Completely legal. They get another load. They run it through their brokerage authority, and they broker it to a totally different carrier. Again, completely legal. We may not like it because two brokers now took a piece of the the revenue, but if the rate is still good enough, I don't care. That's co-brokering. Completely illegal happens all the time. Double brokering also happens all the time, but it's illegal. Do you understand the difference now?
10: Yeah, I'm a little clear around it. Like when I leased to this carrier, he didn't have a brokerage and I got my cut, you know, and then he
0: opened Let me Let me stop there. That is, that's okay. That's what I explained. That carrier does not have to have brokerage authority to give you freight because you're running under their yeah. carrier authority, but they can't give it to Absolutely. another carrier without brokerage authority. So now they, they got their brokerage authority and what's changed?
10: Well, now a lot of the loads go through his brokerage and then come to the trucking company and it's like he's double dipping, he's getting he- money off of it, you know, from the brokerage bar, then he
3: gives it to the trucking
10: so, company. So Loads here,
0: you here, here, get direct. Here's without getting frustrated and confused, I want to help you not be frustrated and confused. What he's doing is completely legal. It's not double yes. brokering. He's co-brokering. He's just brokering his own freight. And like you said, he may do it to take another little piece. I don't care. Here's what I care about. Are you happy with the rate he's paying you?
10: On, on certain loads, yeah.
0: Well, is it enough? Yeah, I, I understand. Here's okay. what you have to decide. Yeah. Let's not complicate yeah. this. Are you overall happy with the rate you receive? We don't need to cherry pick one load and say, no, this load sucked. Well, if you're going to do that, then you got to tell me about the yeah. load that was better than average. So let's skip all that. Are you overall happy with the compensation you receive for the work you do? Yes. Then ignore all the rest of it. It'll just make you crazy. It's not worth thinking about.
8: Okay. Let's have have an example. Let's
0: say that I decide to go out and I have my carrier authority and I come to you and I say, hey, that, that guy's ripping you off. He's, he's co-brokering his own freight so he can get another little piece of it. You come over to me and I won't do that. Well, that may be true. I may not do that. But what if my rates are lower than his were anyway?
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. And that's totally possible. I'm not a very good salesperson. I went out and tried to find some freight and I didn't get very good deals. Would you rather work for me or would you rather do what you're doing?
10: Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, on another question, I hear you talk about this diesel catalyst. What exactly is that? How much does it cost? And what are the benefits of it?
0: Okay, so I don't know what it costs, even though we sell it in our own store, just because I don't stay up on prices. I There's only so much room in my head. And I try not to keep a lot of information that could change or, you know, I can just go look it up when I need to. I don't know what it costs. I will tell you this. It's going to look like it's very expensive per gallon. You buy it by the gallon. You can buy smaller quantities or bigger. It looks really expensive by the gallon. And again, I don't know the number right off the top of my head, so I'm not even going to guess, but we use tiny little amounts. So, a gallon lasts quite a while. It, it You'll get a lot of miles out of a gallon of Catalyst. Here's what it does. Without getting too complicated, you know how we spend a lot of time talking about the engine architecture and why we're so positive about Volvos? Because they have this specific engine architecture. One of the things, again, without getting too deep into the weeds, that is, Volvo architecture allows for a more complete burn of the fuel. It has to do with timing and stroke and a bunch of other complicated engine architecture things. In many of the other engine designs, the piston, Do you, you know the basics of how an internal combustion engine works, right? Yeah. Okay. So... We have compression somewhere up near top dead center. These, some of these engines are designed so that piston hits top dead center and starts down so fast, the piston is actually traveling away when the combustion is happening. And because of that, and we're talking about minute little milliseconds, because of that, you don't get a full and complete burn on the fuel. The problem with that, one, if we didn't burn all the fuel, we're not getting the best fuel economy we could be getting. The bigger issue, though, is that that unburnt fuel is really hard on the emission system. So the Volvo doesn't really have that problem when it's built driven right and spec right because it will burn the fuel completely on its own. These other engine designs that don't burn all the fuel as well the catalyst speeds up the burn process. The burn process happens faster with the catalyst in there. So it happens before the piston starts to pull away from top dead center. Because of that, we get a more complete burn. We don't have those unburnt fuels clogging up our emission system.
10: Okay. All right. Well, well, thank you. I know a lot more about it than
0: I did. If you want to try it, you can go to our website and buy a gallon. And all I really care about are results. We can talk about all these, you know, testimonials and numbers and how it's designed and what it does. But ultimately, for me, it's about results. Put it in your truck. If you get good results, you'll keep using it. If you don't, maybe your engine didn't need it for some reason. Give it a couple tankfuls run it through a gallon. You will see a a difference in a gallon. Okay. Well, thank you, Gavin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. And if you don't see a difference, then don't use it. I mean, really, we should see cleaner burning. We should see cleaner oil samples. We might see an improvement in fuel economy. We don't always, and that's not what we sell it for. Um, But not every truck needs it. we could also say if you're pre emission or pre dpf maybe it's not as big of a deal although i have a lot of people with early, late 90s early 2000 emission engines that still swear by the catalyst that everything's better it's quieter runs better oil samples are cleaner fuel mileage goes up give it a try that this is one of those things where not you know you're not going to spend $3000 to try something you know, spend a couple hundred or whatever it is a gallon. I I don't even know. We we'll give it a shot. Let's go to South Carolina, Terrence. Welcome to the program.
4: What's up, Kevin? I think I got the answer for that guy with the Volvo because I remember Joel talking about it. It was that pressure. Or not, I don't know. It was a pressure relief valve on the back of the fuel galley that was. He, Joel always talked about get cleaning it, oh. and I don't know if he did that. But, uh, so that might be what it is because if it get if that gets clogged up, you know, but it had pressure relief on it and it stayed open and it's in the fuel. Oh, galley, it's gonna okay. have it's gonna lose you know. The whole, right. I I'm not positive, but I think that's what it was called, a pressure fuel galley pressure relief. It's on the back of the block.
3: Okay.
4: we always talked about cleaning that. So now my the other thing I called about was the, like you guys were talking about like the infrastructure for all these other you know, like the hydrogen, right. like CNG was the same way when I was in Wisconsin, but it was like a million, I forget how, a million to a million and a half, just to build one of those things to compress the, I know. you know, to it's, set the station up.
0: Yeah, this isn't in- complicated it, it stuff. was. A,
4: uh, yeah, yeah, and again, like I said, you know, the thing with us, we were lucky because we were, the place that we would get it was called Quick Trip, and they're big up in Minnesota and all, and they had their own fuel, they, del- they had their own fuel truck to deliver their fuel, their diesel, their gasoline, and they ran on it. So, you know what I mean? They, they, that's what they used. So, they, they, all their stations had, I should say all, most of their quick-trick stations had CNG. And then there was another company, U.S. Gain, that opened that up, and, and it was worked fine because all we did was run from Wisconsin down to the Chicago area, a little bit out into Indiana, Michigan, and back. And there was always a fuel stop for that. But if you're talking about how many hydrogen or whatever, all this other... You know, and batteries, I don't, like you said, I don't see it coming too quick to be able to have this electric and then this hydrogen. I-
0: so here's something I've never really understood about CNG. I-, I get that it's clean, but we were just talking about the fact that trying to add propane to diesel doesn't work because the propane has less energy density than the diesel does. I don't know how many people realize CNG only has half the energy density of propane. Yeah. Of propane. Yeah,
4: yeah. Yep. The thing what it does is that, I mean, was a a shorter range, and I forget what they call it, uh, gallons per Something the right? ratio, so like the pump, it would say you know five point something gallons to each pound the pressure. Right. So it had less pressure, it didn't have the same. We would get like five one, and it's hard. Also, not just say it's hard. It's it's complicated doing the doing your miles per gallon because it also was based on on, on temperature.
0: Yeah, right.
4: When the, when the, the tanks expanded, so you you know what I mean you could you could write its mileage down and everything, and then write how many. You know, it would say, like I said, they they converted to a for per to a gallon, you know, per gallon, and it, it was all right. But we would have to figure out, like you'd go, all right, what's the temperature, and then you'd okay, so, you'd look on the, the map and say, okay, what's the wind? You'd have to factor all this shit in because the guys, like I'm running low on fuel. We had some trucks that could transfer fuel. There was a time, so I if a heard. guy was
0: running out. I forget when this was, it was a while back, but Owaida had a big lawsuit against one of the truck stop chains because they said they should be pumping their diesel temperature um, controlled or temperature adjusted. Right. They said OIDA claimed that even in diesel fuel, there was enough variation in temperature that we weren't getting the amount of fuel we were paying for. That's even worse when you right, are talking that, about...
4: That's yeah. like this. Yeah, that's- that, yeah. So I think, yeah. they say like they usually fuel in the morning, early in the, well, not early, but morning when the sun's down, after the sun goes down, you know?
0: Yeah, you want a cold. The same
4: thing like with the, the but yeah, yep, yep. But we, they, he was, we were getting basically the same amount of fuel months. We had a little bit less power, but we were running around at eight, you know, at 80,000 all the time. We were over sometimes, but we also got 2,000 pounds over because wow. of the the tanks were heavy and all that but he his biggest savings was he bought in bulk so the the amount of you know i mean when you go buy a cng so you're 261 a gallon he wasn't paying that not even he was twice. paying sometimes he would buy a bulk 41 cents right. and he would have to buy <laughs> right 200 yes. something thousand gallons but he made it work and his maintenance was high too but because i talked to him the other day i called mike saying touching him and I'm like, I'm telling about Joe. I was like, man, your has know, got this guy he goes, man, I got a such a buy on the CNG. you know not everybody knows that so you so you take someone like that want to go, oh c and g's all like this, this is a buy and they don't realize you know you're buying at a at a at a bulk and all that you won't make it with c and g neither. You
0: know hey, well, and then some of the problems with trying to buy fuel in bulk is you have to have the ability to store it and pump it. That gets expensive, and right people don't even well, no. think about regulations. The, the regulations about yeah. having just, these kinds of storage tanks and facilities are insane.
4: Yeah, but he don't. Ha- he didn't have it that way. How he bought it in bulk was he'd say, "Okay, I want." He would. Di- he did it by the month, pretty much. He would say, "Okay, I'm get. I want." So if so we there were times when we we uh it was a truck that was in the yard that wasn't was broke. yeah he didn't have storage facilities so we you know you'd fuel up every every down yeah yeah oh, okay. yeah i, I yeah. guess that's the correct way to say yeah, yeah. okay yeah so pre-buying and at a set, set price but he he did it all the time and he and he had to he had to maintain looking you know, on obviously the, the card we used he was able to see all right he look, it gets all the month and he panic. Not panic, but he'd be like, "Shit, we gotta go," because otherwise, then it jumped up to a different percentage, and he was good with his numbers. Obviously, he's and he, you know, he'd be like, "Hey, man, we gotta go. You know, go get, go get the truck. Go put the, go yeah. go put fuel in the truck that's broke down." You know, I mean, it, it was a game he played, but most of the time, we did enough volume to be able to do that. But right. like I said, I don't, I can't see if that thing costs. Imagine what a hydrogen thing would
9: cost. I, the, that's what I mean. or mean. Right. The whatever. I. I yeah. None,
0: of, none of this stuff yeah. is making sense to me other than when you look at what's going on with government subsidies, then it all makes sense.
4: Yeah, that's, well, that's think, another thing too. He got which like you, I've talked to this before. He got, he got money off and he sold the trucks and got
0: these, but that's, but that's bullshit. That's not right. I know yeah, what you're saying that's, that's not fair. That, that's but, the only yeah. way these technologies make sense. And it's just wrong.
7: Yeah. Yep.
4: No, you're right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, All right. So remember I was
0: you- oh, hey, sorry. Got to cut you loose. We're—I've uh, got to get to another call or two, and we've got to wrap this up. Um, David in Hood River, welcome.
5: Hey, how you doing? How you doing today? Good. Uh, I had—I had a thought on the fuel issue that guy was talking about. He was losing prime. I have the same truck, and I was losing prime, and it was real simple. I changed the filter, and it quit.
0: You know, they literally they
5: changed my fuel filters and it stopped.
0: The shop claimed that it could be the filter housing that was leaking and he did say he bought a new housing. He just hasn't put it on yet. And that may turn out to be what it is. Yours wasn't even the housing. It was just the filter.
5: Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't leaking or anything. It just uh, wasn't starting. Sat for a while and not big. Yeah, it, so, I don't so know, here's,
0: anyways, yeah, the filter won't leak. That when a filter causes this problem, it's not because it's leaking externally. You're not going to see fuel. It won't get wet. But think about how a filter works. It's where it would leak is way up at the top. The fuel is sitting down in the right. bottom. There's no real pressure against that point. You're not going to see a leak. But if air can get in then air is what starts to displace fuel in the system. And that's how we end up with no fuel in the line that can make it to the cylinder. Cause we're sucking. Yeah. Out. It'd be the
5: same as a crack,
0: right? A right. cracked
5: filter housing and do the same thing. Yeah. That's right. kind of what I was thinking was happening. So, so yeah. on the resale, you were talking about resale values on trucks, used trucks yeah. and how they're staying high. Well, I have a pretty good relationship with the owner of the company that I, the dealer I deal with up in Eastern Oregon. He, he was telling me that they're, that they had their trucks set real high, you know, they're, they bought their truck size, their used trucks real high. And, and now they're selling them at a loss because they can't, they can't sell the used trucks. So, and, but the, New trucks are still really high and they're going up, but he said the used trucks are going down. So
0: They are just not as fast as I had thought they should. You know, it, it just seems right. like they should be going down faster, but they're not. They're. they're I still wouldn't right. buy most trucks I see at today's prices. I think almost everything on the market any right is overpriced, right? <laughs> you know, occasionally I can yeah, find... Yeah, it scares two- me to see how much a truck is. Where there's some value still are really old trucks, like twenty years old plus. If you go back right. to those you can find some deals out there in values. Everything like twenty ten and newer, forget it, they're all way overpriced in my opinion.
5: Yeah, yeah, I agree. It it scares me to see a truck for two hundred and twenty thousand. Oh, I have oh, out the payments geez. and everything and I'm and I know I could probably do better on maintenance and the fuel mileage, but you know, if you missed a month, it could you know, scare I, me. But I spend more than that in payments right or in maintenance right now, so
0: I think back to when I bought one of my first new trucks. Brand new. Now I will say it was a single axle day cab. So clearly we're not talking about the same kind of pricing, but I can remember paying ninety two thousand dollars for a brand new truck. <laughs>
5: right, yeah. You can't buy a yeah, truck. Yeah, I think for the that first, I days. bought one I know. They're it's crazy money. it is scary money, especially in the times we're in. so I just keep plugging along with what I have and fixing the yeah. issues, yeah, so um we we talked a while back about my oil sample, and I think I don't know if you remembered it or not, but it's clean now. I fixed i I tightened all the all the air intakes and i I put a new air filter in it and I greased the o ring inside Excellent. and made sure it was tight and Excellent. I just I pulled an oil sample every the metals are down. All aluminum and everything's down and it's back to normal. So I'm assuming right. that was the problem. That's so. awesome.
0: So you had silicone. I'm, I, yeah. I, I don't remember specifically. I look at a lot of oil samples, but based on what you're telling me, your silicone right. must have been high.
5: Yeah, you were telling but me the silica was high, and uh, and then that's why we were getting metal in hormones. the oil. And right. while well, I fix it, so, and then I had this- I had a loose turbo outlet. So
0: this is. Just a great example of why we do this show. And so you did an oil analysis, you found a problem, we pointed out where the problem likely is. You went in, you did basic routine maintenance, and the problem is gone, and you just added years to the life of your engine. Isn't that awesome? I'm
5: really happy. I know, I am. I'm really happy about it because I have plenty of other issues. So, yeah, right,
0: right. It's nice.
5: (laughs) Got this vibration in my drivetrain, and it scared me. Yeah, you, you and I were talking about the back gear train on the motor, you know, and the first thing I thought of when I heard the heavy metals, you know, that we were getting in, I'm like, no, oh, I don't want to pull that off because that's a job, right, you know. Right, but, Yeah, so, but that's great. But I think that's pretty much all I had to say. So. Excellent,
0: excellent, great stuff. We're
5: close to the end of the day?
0: Yep, no, I'm going to wrap all right. this up. Wow, three hours. Good day today. Good calls, good topics. I love stories like that. Simple oil sample, we found a major problem. Dirt in the engine is a major problem. Wear metals, boy, you talk about something that'll take the life out of an engine. So simple. One oil sample, he did the work himself, just went through and did basic routine maintenance on the intake system, put a little grease on the seals, tighten things down. He found a leak at the turbo. That's where the dirt was coming from. And now it's gone. I, I love that. Those are the things that make the differences in who survives in this industry, who fails and who succeeds. It's all the little stuff really is good show. Thanks everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.